I've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now, in this very room. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Huh? Are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? We kicked its ass. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. I am your host, Matt Bledsoe. Uh, this week, we are talking about William Friedkin's To Live and Die in L.A. Uh, tell me talk about it. I'm joined by someone who has not been on the show as a solo guest for far, far too long. Um, she is the host of the Shock and Awe podcast. Uh, it's Lindsay Wilkins. Lindsay, how you doing? Hello. Thank you for having me on. I'm very, very excited to talk uh, William Friedkin. Me too. Uh, this movie specific, yeah, specifically, and Friedkin in general. Oh, yeah. uh, cause I, I guess I've been kind of on a Friedkin kick, probably, ever since he passed away uh, last year. It just feels like so, like so long ago. But um, but yeah, I think I threw a bunch of ideas at you for this. and I, Or maybe you threw ideas at me. I don't know how it went down. But live in Delano, live in, to live and die in L.A. really popped. I was like, that's the one. That's one we got to talk about. So I'm excited to talk to you about it. Um, I did mention in the intro. <laughs> that you have not been on the show just by yourself for so long did you do you know how long it is because i went back and looked it up uh no i can't actually remember was it con air was there something in between i can't you have a better actually... memory than i do it was con air that was oh, may of 2022 <laughs> <laughs> i was like well, what the hell happened? but you've been on you have been on since i may have been on since yes but you're never alone and i just like you know, I people just want to hang out with you and talk. That's probably what it is like. We just, but that in different guess, time yeah. zones. I mean, it does make it, things a little bit difficult sometimes when you're just trying to organize. Wait, who's asleep right now? Um, <laughs> but no, it's always a joy to come on here. You're one of my. I always say you're one of my favorite podcasts. So, um, uh, yeah. So either either talking to you or listening to you is always like the best thing. <laughs> well, thank you very much, and same to you, definitely. Uh, I'm glad to have you back on, just flying solo. Uh, so I was like, uh, this is great. I'm glad we're doing this again. I just couldn't believe it had been that long. I was like going back and back through my podcast. I'm like, when did this? <laughs> when yeah. was she on by herself? Um, but uh, and I've been on Chalk and Awe many times. And I feel like I'm never on Chalk and Awe just by myself either. No, um, James <laughs> or Matt and um, Hayden always seem to um, we always seem to do like the Wolfpack with you guys. <laughs> so... I seem to get invited on by other. Yes. people. People, not even like they're like hey Lindsay, can Matt show up which i appreciate yes. which i appreciate yeah. so um yeah. but like yeah, we need to get so... Matt in this conversation like yeah, yeah. which is oh i'm always like you don't need to ask if matt wants to come on matt can just come on anytime he wants so, yeah. <laughs> we're like guests at houses up. who don't <laughs> yes. even knock the door anymore. we're just exactly. like we just walk in and sit on the couch we're like what's up yeah hey, chips. what's up uh, yeah. So, yeah. Get, um, get into your fridge and um start writing your yeah start writing the fridge yeah exactly <laughs> exactly exactly um but yes before we talk to live and die in la um i do want to talk about stuff we've watched lately so do you have stuff you want to talk about that you've seen lately uh yes i have been watching um a few different things uh i might as well start off 
actually, oh, sorry, just looking at my list of what actually have I watched? Um, <laughs> I actually, no, I watched, um, first movie I will mention that I watched is a new movie that came out on Netflix just in January. So I guess this is my first 2024 movie, but I am going to, I watched, because apparently now I just like survival stories that make me feel horrible, speaking of some yeah. William Friedkin <laughs> movies. Um, and that is Society of the Snow, uh, directed by A.J. Boyea. Um, I'm butchering his name. He also directed um, The Orphanage and that Jurassic Park movie that uh, introduced oh, cloning of yeah. people. <laughs> um, but no, uh, Society of the Snow is a lot better than um, Jurassic Park Dominion, I want to s- No, that's the third one. I'm getting my Jurassic Worlds mixed <laughs> up. Fallen Kingdom? Yeah. Fallen Kingdom, okay. yes. Yes, yeah. okay. He directed Fallen Kingdom, but then he directed this movie called Society of the Snow, which is um very much based on a real event the uh uruguay airlines flight that crashed into a mountain and people actually survived on the side of a mountain for two months over two months and most famously the movie alive also covers a story because they did eat their friends um to survive who had passed on there's there's no killing of people well there is killing of people but the airplane and the mountain killed them and then (laughs) um cannibalism ensued i'm selling Uh this this yeah and it's a feel-good movie no it's um (laughs) the feel-good movie of 2024 (laughs) (laughs) it really is um it's it's about friendship and when you eat them no it's um no it's a horrific it's a horrific story that i've been weirdly obsessed with because you you just look at this going how how i don't understand You, you crashed into a mountain you should not be giving an interview right now yeah and you're just telling me that premise i'm like i probably would have been if I'd survived the plane crash, I probably would have died in the aftermath because I don't think I would have done oh, very I well. would have died in there. I would have looked at that mountain and gone, oh, no, I'm sorry. This is not happening. I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to go <laughs> take my body, I guess. <laughs> um, but it is a very beautifully told movie. It's got, um, as I probably mentioned when we get into sort of freaking that very European what is society, how you kind of survive, what happens when society is taken away and you're just kind of an animalistic human, um, but that desire to want um, humanity. Sorry, I've just finished watching Sorcerer. So that is on my mind and it's very, they've got some similar kind of edges to it. Um, but no, it's got a really young cast of, I don't know anyone in this uh, movie. They're all South American actors. It's Spain's um uh, entry into the um, Academy Awards. I'd be very surprised if this doesn't get nominated for um, Best Foreign Language Movie. Um, and since Anatomy of a Fall is not going to get nominated, I might have a chance of winning. Who knows? Um, though that needs to be perfect days, just saying. Um, but yeah, it's it's actually a really solid movie. It is very long, so you are kind of caught up in the tedium of what they went through, um, as well as the just general horror of we're on the side of a mountain. How did this happen? Um, and it's got one of the most horrific plane crashes I have seen in a while. I mean, there's oh. some details I was not expecting them to show. And you're like, oh, they they just showed that. Okay, that's that's intense. Wow. Okay. Uh, have not even, I don't think I've even heard of this. Uh, it, I, I don't know if it's, a, it looks like it's a Netflix movie. I'm not sure if it's yeah. on Netflix over there, or like in Australia too. But uh, I, I am so bad at keeping up with streaming movies like i actually have something i'm going to talk about in my movies that i've watched lately that's a streaming direct stream movie that i only heard about because like a friend in real life keeps up with them like religiously like yeah. he stalks like the lists of like what's what's coming to streaming services what's leaving 
And, you know, so, oh, he's, I, so I, he's organized. <laughs> yeah, he is organized. Unlike me, I'm just chaos watching movies. But uh, never heard of this. Um, I don't know if I'd actually watch it because I feel like I'm no, survival it's... stories like real life survivals like probably freak me out because I probably just would go. I'd watch them and go. I would. Well, I would die in this situation. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. There is a beauty to it because um, they did go film part of it in the Andes, uh, not exactly where they were, but um, they did go. So you see these amazing, beautiful landscapes with these tiny little people. And it's kind of very <laughs> like, oh, the, the, how? But it, it is a very, um, there are some really beautiful moments in it. And the cannibalism isn't treated as exploitative or kind of shocking or, oh my God, look what they did kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, it's much more um dealt in a very matter of fact it's not taken lightly i mean this was would not have been a decision they had to make but yeah i i know i remember seeing the trailer when i was a kid for live and i didn't watch it to a few years later but it was one of those things when you're a kid and you watch something that horrifies you terrifies you so much just the very idea like say me with pennywise the clown and it but then you end up having to watch it and it's kind of that same thing for this story and the fact that it actually happened kind of adds a little wait what to it yeah that, okay well this is how it you made it sound interesting even though it's probably not the kind of thing i'd go seek out but no, no most people won't i mean this is not like <laughs> the feel-good story of the year this is something you watch if you kind of want to um if you're really intent on watching every single foreign language shortlist movie this is definitely on the list but um but it, no i still think it's worth a watch it's not perfect um but it's got some really interesting elements to it okay Cool, cool. Uh, what else have we watched lately? Um, I might as well go with, I guess, the survival rounds. <laughs> um, I watched Sisu. Um, finally, it popped up. Oh, um, I've nice. been meaning to watch this for ages. I guess it's kind of a survival movie. It's about a man who is trying to survive against the... I love the... Well, it's about a guy who just goes and kills a whole bunch of Nazis for nearly two hours, and it's a glorious thing to watch. But the fact that they don't even try, like, they, they are the worst and they show how bad they are throughout the movie. But it, from the beginning, it's like, these guys are Nazis and they're going to get stabbed through the head. And it happens, like, within the first 10 minutes. And you're just like, yeah, okay, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I did watch this finally, like, a month ago, probably. Yeah. Uh, I found the Blu-ray. Oh, no, no. this is... <laughs> I found the 4K very cheap at Best Buy during, like, Black Friday sales. And this was the movie where I got home and I put it like I so I got it. I bought it very cheap. Yeah. And then I got home and like left it like kind of in the bag, I guess, with a couple of movies for like a, like a while, like a few weeks. And then I pulled that bag out and I never really looked that closely, but I pull Sisu out of its slipcover and I see like the plastic is torn. And I'm like, well, that happens. But it's yeah. like torn very almost seems deliberate like right along the opening of the blu-ray and i'm like oh no otter and then That's i odd, unwrap yeah. it and the 4k looks like it's been snatched out of there's no 4k it's been taken out of the case <laughs> so they had a blu-ray uh but you didn't some... you but you didn't have the okay that's I know Best Buy, like a few other Australian <laughs> places, have been taking their um, physical media out of their stores. But that's just like the guy in the warehouse just taking out the 4K. <laughs> yeah, either that or somebody in the store. I mean, that's to be tough to have the store. Like, but somebody like very yeah. carefully sliced the plastic just a little bit, 
pull, managed to wiggle the 4K. Uh, I don't know how they even got it loose from though. They got it loose. Yeah. I was like, I was almost more impressed than angry. It felt like angry. Yes. I was like, I'm not even mad. I'm impressed. And they still left me with a Blu-ray, which I paid $10 for. And I was like, well, that's fair. I wish I had the 4K, but I, I really couldn't be that mad about it because I was so like, wow, what a heist. Like, what a, what a yeah. thief. But I like Sisu, but it, I think, um, I mean, it's a very just straight revenge story, which, you know, right up my alley. Justice was served. Yeah, killing exactly. Love it. Just, oh, but, justice is very much served. And I know oh. you are a hand for justice. So this is very much. <laughs> I, <am. laughs> I feel like it kind of started to lose me in the maybe the last third. Or it does drag a little bit toward the end. Like, a little bit, yeah. But I think it's still very good and like very much up my alley. And uh, um. Yeah, I mean, it's just very simple. Like people are like, I, it's exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is fine. Like, it's like, I ordered pizza, oh, it, I got pizza. Yeah. But you know, it's like, uh, there's not much, it's not a deep, deep movie, but that's okay. Oh. No, it, it is a movie you do have to suspend. I mean, everyone's kind of complaining. I haven't seen it yet. I will see it, The Beekeepers, um, or The Beekeeper, so there's only one, Jason Statham, but how that movie is kind of ridiculous and not realistic. I'm like, it's an action movie, but Jason Statham, who's a beekeeper, punching a whole bunch of people go kicking people yeah. in the face i mean oh, we're going to talk about the beekeeper don't you worry i've got <laughs> yeah um again speaking of hand for justice um but it is it, it, yeah so it, it, this is the same movie you have to kind of believe that this guy who um i didn't write his name down he was also in the director's other movie um oh shoot now i'm forgetting the christmas one which is the most i watch it every year oh, now rare exports is that what's rare called? exports yeah he's in rare exports he's kind of his guy i think um that you have to kind of believe he's almost a specter revenge ghost almost yeah like, there's a few things he survives and you're like wait how <laughs> <laughs> which i think they set up at the beginning they do because yeah. that word means like i thought they set up like he's basically immortal which kind of does yeah. mess with the stakes because you're kind of it like it does well, then he's not going to die. <laughs> uh, yeah, and but... the stakes, are, the stakes can, considering people are dying are very low, especially when you get to the, right to the end of the movie and it's got this great punchline at the end of it where you're just like, okay, that's hilarious. You brought me back in the movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, he does say that, that he's kind of this immortal being. So, But there are some really cool like deaths in the movie where you're just like going, oh, oh yeah. I've never seen that kill in a movie before. Oh my that's, God, there's um... one like in a minefield that made me yes. <laughs> like uh, kind of laugh out loud, but also like a good, like a... Like, I was like, oh, like, I don't know how to describe it without spoiling it. But, yeah, someone gets blown up in a way I did not yes. expect them to get blown up. <laughs> like... I, yeah, that you think <laughs> it's going to. And then, oh, boy. Um, for me, it was the lake. That was the one I was like. Oh, the lake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> that, that was... This is, we're, we're in some serious territory now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you love action movies or revenge movies, you can't go wrong. It's just. Exactly. I, I don't think it, you know. Uh, blows anything out of the water or like is rewriting the books on how to do this but it's done it's just done very well very straight revenge story but yeah. um it's good it's good um so i'm glad we both enjoyed that <laughs> so yes. what, uh, what else do you have <laughs> um i will also go to a movie that i know you've also just seen as well um though i did not get a chance to rewatch the hustler i did finally watch the color of money for the first mm. time um mainly because james coddington um sometimes <laughs> host of of film feast um <laughs> yes <laughs> yes um was watching it and espousing its virtues and i had been last year i ended on a bit of a scorsese uh kick a scorsese kick so uh i watched it yeah it's really good i didn't know god lived on a pool table uh that's the we got out of that movie apart from tom cruise's weird hair um and <laughs> yeah he does um, have weird hair in that movie <laughs> oh my god even my partner walked in halfway through and goes what is up with his hair i'm like i don't know <laughs> like i can't i don't know what the process was of that 
Um, and that you even put dark glasses on Paul Newman and he still manages to be the hottest man in the room when you take away the baby blues. So, um, <laughs> no, it's actually a really dumb movie. I didn't love the script. I thought that was a bit repetitive, but just the actual filmmaking, the fact that every single piece of music sounds like it comes from the like diviest bar in the Midwest is just, there's a kind of a, oh God, I like just, I love Scorsese. So it's, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Corsese's good. He's a he's a talented yeah. kid. Uh yeah. <laughs> Going places. Going places, that guy. Uh I I uh yeah, I I think two things. I've been on a Scorsese kick too, along with a freaking kick. I've been on a lot of kicks. Um yeah. definitely a Scorsese kick ever since Killers of Flower Moon. And the, the kick has been ignited more because I don't know if you're still listening to screen drafts or doing a Scorsese month. Oh, uh, that, that episode was painful, but in an oh understandable way. Like, even uh, when they were sort of saying movies, I'm like, that doesn't belong. And, and then you're like, you are... okay, what movies do belong in the bottom half bit? They yeah. don't. So it's... why? <laughs> yes, that is tough. I was thinking, like, it's very hard to say what Scorsese's are the worst Scorsese's because yes. he's made a lot of great movies. So it's like you're ranking. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I get But the stuff they were saying that was near the bottom was stuff I would not even consider for the bot. Listen, no. that's, I cannot go Scorsese screen draft tangent was one of the most it, I told Mark because Mark Russell listens to Mark Warner listens to screen draft yeah. too and I warned him I said this is going to infuriate you how this starts like the bottom pick is one of the craziest things that I've was ever heard dumb I almost messaged you actually because I was just like okay to call it a bad okay um to call it a bad movie is incorrect um, does Scorsese hate his characters? He hates many of his characters. I don't think you yes. could even watch Goodfellas and him going, oh, no, I like Henry Hill. No, he doesn't. And to say, well, that glamour, no, it, good, um, um, <laughs> it glamorizes nothing. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, I've discovered I'm a Scorsese bro. So apparently you do this, I will come for you. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> it's a thing I've learned about myself after Kills of the Flower Moon. Did not think this was the case. Um, but it is kind of, especially... I'm just like, no, it's a, it's meant to be a satire. That's kind of the whole point. I mean, yes, The Departed. And you don't put uh, Mark Wahlberg in to that part where he outbostons everyone else in the movie um, and not think he's not satir satirizing something. No, he's not a fan <laughs> of Boston. It's not New York. That is, that, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. There's a few others. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Now mm. you're just like trying to make people angry on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Some of the movies that were not even mentioned for the bottom – was like you're not even consider because there are some things I would probably consider like if we're going to talk about this bottom ten and they didn't come up. Well, I'll actually talk about one of them, but but I, it's I listen, it's a lots of different podcasts where like we review screen drafts, but um, it's it, that show can be infuriating. I thought it was funny that on that bottom ten Scorsese, the guests were almost like screwing each other over inadvertently, and like yes! kind of all circled back to like, wow, you've done. No one's done any good for anybody, and you all have just kind of screwed each other. It's like it's like a Mexican standoff when they all shoot each other. It's what it felt like. It's like, oh, nobody won this. So like, no, you know. I mean, oh. I get some of them. Like I even sort of get Color of Money, um, even though I really like Color of Money, um, just because I don't know that maybe the script isn't always up to what he usually does. But there is, and it, but it gets really difficult because Color of Money is still a four step, four out of five movie. Right. I mean, it's it's a movie that is elevated a lot by Scorsese being the director. I could see someone's case for that one being like, well, it's kind of a for hire job, which is a for hire yes. job, but he and still he does. Like, kills it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and I, I understand, like, I have a special love for Shutter Island that not many other people have, and I get that but to call it incompetent, I'm like, no, 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 it's a power, it's it's it's, it's a Jalo if power and Pressburger 
made a jalo. That's what Shutter Island is. It's this exercise in style because it was a for higher jobs. So he just goes, I'm just gonna throw a ton of um style at this and I'll just let um Leonardo DiCaprio do and an insane Boston accent even <laughs> he was because he was actually legitimately trying in the departed I think in Shutter Island he's just like going for it he's not even it's like how how broad can I make this <laughs> yeah I mean even I haven't ranked out my Scorsese and I have not seen no. every single Scorsese but I've seen a good portion I think if it came down to it Shutter Island almost by default would be in my bottom 10, but I still think it's a really good entertaining movie. <laughs> like, yeah, that... I, I kind of adore it because it feels like just a pure, it, it's, it's kind of berserk and it's very performative. So, cause everyone's on, on the, everyone's performing. Yeah, everyone's so, performing. Yeah. 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 There's a, yeah, we, <laughs> we should do a side podcast where we just review <laughs> the latest screen drafts episode yes! and break down <laughs> the, the chaos that's happened. Um, I, I think it's the chaos for chaos reasons. And I don't, like that always i don't like it I, either it feels I, but i tend to listen to it if i always listen to it though i know i can't help myself i'm like a moth to flame i <laughs> it's yes like, it's it feels disingenuous some people will say some of the things they do and do some of the moves they do but like, you cannot be serious but anyway i also watched color of money recently <laughs> mostly because of james because he posted yes james does this thing where i think he's watching something and then he posts clips uh, you know, from that movie. And then I feel like sometimes it's always funny, like somebody famous finds James's tweets and retweets them. Like it's yes. he's got a he's got a gift for that. Uh uh and but yeah, the color of money stuff, I had not seen it because I kept doing this thing where I was like, I gotta watch the hustler and color of money. It's a double feature. And one day I said, I'm doing it. So <laughs> I pulled the hustler off the shelf, loved the hustler. Um thought it was fantastic. Paul Newman was great. Uh there's uh I don't know what I'll say, but it's just, it's a really, really good movie. Color Money, I thought also a really good movie. James gave me a little shit because I only gave it four stars out of five on Letterboxd, which I thought was a very commendable score. Much like a I also gave it four <laughs> stars out of five. So James, you can also come for me because I, yeah. I agree with that. It's not as good as The Hustler. I mean. Yeah. I think The Hustler yeah. has more like dramatic weight to it. And Color Money is it does. super entertaining. I love yeah. that like Scorsese, like every shot he's like doing like a slow push in zoom or something like the shots are very and i mean it's a good way like they're busy there's a lot going on there's a lot of like touched everything um newman's still great um tom cruise has his energy which i feel like i've hardly ever seen him have like it's it's super just young unfiltered tom cruise like but still a movie star but just like the energy is so different his voice is higher pitched. Like he obviously made this before he made Top Gun. Like yeah. even though I know those movies, it was like Tom Tom Cruise had been around since like the early eighties. But this was, I think, it was eighty six. Is like his arrival of like, oh, I am a movie star. I've done Risky Business. I've got to, I've got Top Gear, but a uh, Top Gear, um, Top Gun. Um, but it it feels really kind of like his his voice is really high pitched. That is not in Top Gun. Like you can kind of right. see him kind of. <laughs> practicing his performance to be more of a movie star than he is in color of money which is a very movie star performance i don't know it's it's a fascinating performance because you're looking at him going when did you make this because top um top gun is a completely different performance and your voice is not this high pitched what what how did you modulate this what's going on <laughs> yeah it's funny they're the same year but top gun does feel more like the like i'm gonna i'm here to be a movie star role like yeah um and top and uh color money still like a little wild like unfiltered young with, energy 
I'm working with Scorsese and I'm bouncing off the walls right now. That's what right. it feels like. He is constantly, <laughs> Vincent's a character who, like, I love the premise that it's kind of like a coming to faith movie because at Scorsese, that's what he sort of does. And he does it with the with the Paul Hall. But um, the, uh, Tom Cruise's character is a guy who cannot throw a game and it frustrates because if you see The Hustler, you know what that's all about. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Paul Newman's thing is you throw a game, then so people think you're useless, then you hustle them out all this money and then you become the best pool player. Uh, Cruz <laughs> just can't do that. He's he, If he thinks he's going to lose, he just has to win. Um, and it frustrates Paul Newman no end until he realizes it's just the love of the game. It's just <laughs> the purity of the pool, of, of playing pool. Like, uh, yeah, the, there's a community episode, which that, that episode made so much more sense after oh. <laughs> um, after watching Color of Money. <laughs> yeah, I have watched Community. I had to go back and check that out now <laughs> like um but yeah they're, I mean they're both great I really enjoy I'm glad yeah. I finally did that double because I've been waiting like forever I just you know because then it's like a commitment of like I gotta watch both I I was like I have to watch them at the same time I don't know why I was so stuck on that I was like gotta watch them the same day and I did it um they're so different yeah they are and they're very different like it's not like you're watching the same movie again I also realized I love movies people playing pool, playing like, you know, billiards. Like, uh, there's not enough of those. I need more pool movies. Like, I need way more. Like, it looks really cool. <laughs> it does. It does. It's very cinematic, I think. It's great. Um, So, okay. Glad we both enjoyed Color Money. Sorry, James. Not five out of five. I don't know what. Maybe James would be like, I give it a four and a half. But I was like, yeah. four, four sets out of five. Very good. Um, So, um, yeah. Anything else or? Um, yeah, I just mentioned yesterday, I finally got a chance to see The Holdovers, which I know has been appearing on everyone's top 10 list. So oh, it was yeah, yeah. nice to leave a very hot day, go into a theater and uh, watch a very snowy movie. Yeah, it's really good. Um, I should have pulled up her name, but whoever plays Mary Lamb in it, she's um, was also in, I'm blanking the um, great um, Eddie Murphy, um, Rudy, um, my name's oh. Rudy movie yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's she's amazing. Um, Divine, some uh, no, no, Divine um, Joy Randolph is uh, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. She needs to win all the awards for that movie. I love. I mean, yeah, it could have done. The, I was kind of expecting it kept subverting your dramatic expectations because it should it could have easily been a movie of these three desperate people kind of form the traditional nuclear nuclear family over this Christmas break because they're all kind of lonely and kind of cut out of whatever's going on but they don't i love how it never leans into that mary is never even though she is going through the loss of her grief of losing her son in the vietnam war she never mothers um the kid um Mm. angus um and even though this kid is missing his father um Paul Giamatti's character never fathers him to a certain extent he's always i am your caregiver i am in charge of you because it's my job. It's it never leans into that. Oh, we're just going to form the Christmas family that we don't have. Right. It's very yeah, much yeah. they still they they form a bond, but it's not it's not the normal story route that movie would have usually taken. Yeah, no, it's it's very good. I know it came up was it was on all three of our lists on the top ten. Yeah, I believe. okay, yeah, yeah. Me, Mark, and Hayden all had in our top ten. Um, I hope Mark did. I'm, I'm totally blanking right now. I think we all did. We yeah. loved it uh all the performances are great still cannot believe that kid i think it's dominic says his name has never acted before mm. in a movie bananas i was just like and it's i don't think i said the, the 2023 episode but like i thought 2023 was an especially good year 
four performances. Like, I think we kind of yes. knocked the year in movies overall, but I thought there was like tons of like too many good performances for all these awards they give out. Like, do we need, it's like, I feel so bad, even though awards aren't that, you know, they don't mean everything, but I feel bad that like a lot of great performances are going to go probably unacknowledged or maybe get nominated, but not win anything because there's just so many good ones it's, last year. It, it's so many. Yeah. I always thought 2023 was a terrible year for genre movies. Like I don't think it was a particularly strong year for genre action. Um, though 2024 apparently is going to be a great action year by the looks of it. Um, but it wasn't like a very good horror action kind of genre year. And then, but it did really well in these performative dramas, like almost, yeah. which I think is, yeah. yeah. So, which is, which is all these great perform, which is where you get all these amazing performances and they're all being kind of wanting to give awards, but there just isn't enough of them. Cause usually if, um, Oppenheimer didn't come out, Paul Giamatti probably would win the Oscar, but Oppenheimer came out and you know it's going to get um and you know uh Killian Murphy's going to get the the statue so it's kind of one of those kind of years but weirdly for performances it's it's kind of stacked yeah and all yeah. three are amazing yeah I couldn't yeah when I sort of read that oh that kid had never acted before I'm like bullshit no that that is <laughs> he's performing <laughs> that, is, that is acting <laughs> how does this happen yeah it's crazy yeah. but uh and I'm glad you liked it I, it's one of those things where I feel like I'd be hard-pressed to find someone that doesn't at least think it's good or enjoyable they might not think it's amazing but it's like good it's also i can like i can like tell people at work or family like you should watch the holdovers like i feel you know i need a few of those in my back pocket to be like hey go watch the holdovers like you know not some weird obscure hong kong movie i'm talking about that no one cares about exactly or me <laughs> trying to tell people about society of the snow and then cannibalism comes up um no this is a this was a full uh, screening um i was it was completely packed um and yeah everyone seemed to enjoy it it kind of does everything a good dramedy is meant to do like it just hits all the beats it needs to without kind of leaning in because i was fully expecting giamatti to give this um, this big speech at the end um telling how amazing this kid angus is and how everyone who doubts him is is, is wrong and and it didn't yeah, it didn't do that it did something completely different and it fitted them for what the movie was doing yeah it's very good um and anything else or um, no, I'll leave it. There's a few other things I've seen, but um, it they're weird in German, so I might leave that <laughs> for another time. Fair enough. <laughs> yes. uh, my other podcast, Weird in German. Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, I had yeah, I had a lot to pick from because um, I haven't done like a normal episode in a little bit. Uh, like we did the top ten and all that. So, um, but I narrowed it down. Uh, so uh, the movie I was talking about earlier, that's like a streaming movie that I had no idea existed until someone pointed out to me a movie called self-reliance it's on hulu or i think in this? australia you call it oh, star i don't know yes like, <laughs> there's uh, a weird title um yeah it's star and it's on disney plus so predator does pop up next to snow white um <laughs> yes this is the jake johnson movie yes jake johnson yes, starring yeah. and i believe his first directed movie written mm. directed and starring oh, wow. johnson. like uh and it's it's good. It's not, it's not anything amazing has a great premise. That's why I was so excited about it mm. was, uh, so basically Jake Johnson plays this guy, very like normal guy lives a very mundane life, very routine. One day, uh, Andy Samberg playing Andy Samberg drives up in a limousine and it was like, get in the limousine and tells him they take him to this place and these weird guys i think they're swedish or some danish or something tell them about a game that they're running that's that's being like broadcast on the dark web where you 
have 30 days you have to survive because there's guys coming after you like these hunters who are coming after you um and if you survive 30 days you get a million dollars they tell him the catch is that these hunters are like all over the world but they might not even be in your area so yeah. maybe they won't even show up uh you might be fine and then they also tell him the other the real catch is that the hunters cannot kill anyone or it cannot kill you if you are in like really close proximity to another person. So, so if you're like, but they, they say it's like, you can't even be like across the room. You have to be like, if you're in bed, you'd be in the same bed. You know, you, have, you can't like, even you, if you they can't get like, close. Yeah. you gotta get real close. So you got to get close to people. So um, he's like, cool million dollars. I need money. Uh, that sounds actually kind of easy. Cause they might not even show up. I'll just stay close to somebody. Um, I think the first couple of days of the whole thing, he doesn't even bother to stay that close to anybody. He's like, it's fine. And then he hires a homeless man <laughs> to, to like, just stay near him at all times. Like no one believes, he tells his family, no one believes him. Everyone's like, you're yeah. going insane. You're making up this thing. Um, he meets up with Anna Kendrick, like through like an ad or something. Uh, that's, she says she's also in the game and like, they should work together. Cause then they can't be killed if they're in close proximity. And they're both very charming. Like I like Jay Johnson yeah. and Kendrick a lot and like their stuff together is super charming um and likable and then it kind of uh so it but it takes that premise and then doesn't quite know how to like stick the landing i feel like especially like that's i was gonna say because you could do the whole movie and just have no one show up to write to the end or something like that so it's yeah. sort of more the it's not like hard target <laughs> where you definitely have lance hendrickson and going for you um yeah. <laughs> but it's it, it could just be them hanging out for the whole entire movie of this possibility that a yeah, just watching Anna Kendrick yeah. and Jay Johnson hang out in the movie it's like fun there's like a whole <laughs> montage where they like hang out at a hotel and you're like this is fun let's just watch this um and then yeah I think some of the rules are like there might be some plot holes and like wait so the, I, I didn't think that hard about it the, the friend that went watch it he had all these complaints and I'm like I didn't even think that hard about it but <laughs> it's I mean it's a perfectly fine way to spend 90 minutes like it's charming and it's fun and it's light. Like I think Jake Johnson, he probably needed more money. I was thinking about like, okay, this feels a little low budget because I feel like there's a lot of like going back to the same locations. Or he, sh I could like clearly tell he shot this person. He had like a day with them. Yeah. And like, and there's like people that pop up that are like known faces, but I think like all Andy Sandberg stuff probably got done like in a day because I don't think he ever leaves the limo. Like stuff like that where it's like, okay, like <laughs> he got some help. He's calling here, in but... favors and everyone's coming in for a day. Yeah. Because yeah. he seems like a nice guy. They'll look up yet. I think so. I, I would be curious what he does next if he has maybe a little more money. Um, but like it's a little rough around the edges and it's it's funny, but it's not that funny. So it's like one of those mm. things where it's like, this is good, but not great. But I, I you know, I had a perfectly fine time watching it honestly like um i didn't know how it was going to resolve so i was kind of curious how it all wound up but it kind of let me down in the third the <laughs> end of the movie yeah. but it's you know it's fine it's on hulu so you don't lose anything if you have that so um it's a fine little movie and uh we talked about scorsese earlier uh i watched a scorsese that this was the movie that i had not even seen it yet but when they were doing the bottom 10 of Scorsese on screen drafts. I'm like, how has no one even said the name of this movie? Because I know people say, oh, it's one of the worst Scorsese movies. It's Boxcar Bertha. <laughs> I, I was... would be offended. No, I do, I do get it. Like, um, I I do generally like this movie because I think it's kind of batshit crazy. It's, it's Scorsese having, sorry, you continue because I'm- um, Oh, but, no, you're yeah, fine. But, I yeah. kind of like just, but so I had, I felt bad. I was judging Boxcar Bertha. I'd never seen it. And I said, I should Even probably the watch- were like, where's 
Fox Club Bertha coming up in this. Come on, guys. It was like a missing person <laughs> during that. No one even mentioned its name. And I was like, guys, to tell me that. Okay, so I was after watching because I was saying all this stuff in my head, going, "How can you think that these?" So I was like, "I need to watch Boxer so I can make an honest opinion on where it should land." And after I watch it, yes, I think it absolutely, absolutely should land in the bottom ten of his movies. And Boxer Bertha, guess what? Still a good, entertaining movie, but he has done so many better movies and better made, and like just, uh, it's just I don't want to say beneath him sounds bad, but it's like. You can still see him working. Like the talent is there in Boxcar Bertha. But I was, I feel bad. I'm, I'm not, I'm not like I'm screaming at Boxcar Bertha. But I think because I'm, I'm just thinking of how it didn't make the bottom 10 of the screen draft Scorsese thing. And I'm like, how? Because um, it's like a little exploitation movie made with Roger Corman. And there's always limitations on that kind of thing. They shoot fast, they shoot cheap. Roger Corman has things he wants. Like in Boxcar Bertha, there's some really, yeah, random sex scenes and random nudity that are weird and out of place. And there's one shot with Barbara Hershey. I look it up her skirt. I'm like, is she wearing underwear? I don't. <laughs> I don't think she. Like I, I had to be a gross person and pause it to try and see if I can see Barbara Hershey. <laughs> it's okay. You were doing research. It's fine. Yes, I was doing research. <laughs> All research. Um, a fine little movie. A fine mm. little movie. But, but he just has done so many other things that are also more in his wheelhouse. Because I don't think of like the country and the depression. Like he should be in like you know the city, and you know he's a city guy. And I just feel like it's all him out of his element. Um, he, I think he's not John a country Ke boy. No, no. <laughs> and I think John Cassavetes famously told him after he saw Oscar Bertha, he's like, you should make something more personal because if you make something like this again you won't have a career or something like that which I mean, again, time to make a real movie i think is oh. i've heard the story a few different ways like um that was okay but it's kind of crap now you need to make a real movie <laughs> and that real movie was mean streets so yeah <laughs> yeah but i listen i will say the last like 10 15 minutes got me like yeah, like I don't know, back on not back on board, but like it almost went up a notch where I was like, oh shit, okay. Like there's that's when really... Scorsese comes into it. Yeah, that's yeah. when the Scorsese actually would be <laughs> oh, like, oh, yeah. this is this is a Scorsese movie. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, here comes the religious imagery out of nowhere. <laughs> um I was like he had to get I, I don't want to spoil it, but there's some wild it's a hell of uh, a shock <laughs> Christian imagery that I did not expect, and like some crazy violence. Um uh some people getting blasted with shotguns that's like so over the top but i really enjoyed it uh it's like okay now we're cooking in this movie because i just don't i don't think it's that interesting for most of the movie and it's not a long movie i just i don't know i don't know i uh i thought barbara hershey was really good like really good performance from her i i like david carity usually but I, I didn't love david carity in this i i don't know i just felt like he almost seemed like he was miscast to me i don't know he like, not yeah. a country boy either yeah, yeah that's um, probably what it was <laughs> like so a fine movie but not anywhere near my top of my scorsese uh, list no i mean i do like this i think it's a really fascinating movie and i think in terms of it being a um a corman production i think it's probably one of the most interesting that he came up with i guess it's kind of in line with like cockfighter or something um like it's got that really it's I mean in terms of his like dust bowl movies I think it's really really fascinating um but in terms of a Scorsese movie it's like well it's your second movie and you were going through the Coleman school of can I make a movie on budget on time for cheap something I don't think he's ever learned how to do again but <laughs> <laughs> um even like you're talking about and your after hours episode how that one was over budget or something like that or he had to prove that he could do a movie because um um 
his other movies just kept going overblown and over budget and everything like that um so it's yeah it's it's it is kind of weird I do think it's a fascinating movie um I think it's just to sort of see Scorsese actually work in exploitation some um because he's always kind of been on the edges of it a little bit but he's he kind of keeps it kind of contained this one he's like oh no this is full um Dust Bowl Bunny and Clyde ripoff for Roger Corman and right. <laughs> yeah so it, it depends on how you want to think of it if it's a Roger Corman one I think it's really good if it's a Scorsese one it's yeah <laughs> right well that's true yeah I was like this is probably a yeah. great uh produce Corman produced movie and not like he didn't yeah. produce great things because he worked with a lot of good directors um he knew how to, he had an eye for yeah. them like um because he probably I don't know he may have got the job through Coppola because I think they still they knew each other at that point I think oh yeah yeah you um, might be right yeah they yeah yeah and... I mean it's it's a great I'm sure it's a great training for like oh you got to get this done cheap and fast so that's probably helps people work move. with what you have and yeah. I want boobs so if you do this <laughs> amount of boobs then you can have your weird Christian imagery at, at the at the end um yeah. but I need Gosh, I need that's... I need I need the sex scenes it's so crazy <laughs> um uh, okay, another one that uh, you did a whole episode on um, a long time ago with our friend Preston Mitchell, uh, Design for Living, mm-hmm. Ernst Lubitsch movie, which I just happened to to get because, you know, it's, I think Carmelina talked about this. It's one of those movies that's like very unavailable on streaming anywhere. Yes. So therefore it makes it more like I need to see this. And I had bought the Criterion during a sale um, because I was like, I want to see this movie and it's not streaming. Um and he really, really enjoyed it. Like, I, I, you know, I'm not the classic movie guy. I, you know, that's, <laughs> it's not usually my, I have nothing against them. It's just, I need to see more. So I never want to be like, I'm the classic movie guy. But 1933, I believe. Yeah, it was. It's pre-code. pre-code. It's pre-code. And holy crap, is it pre-code. I was yes! shocked. It was, I know this happens. Like, I know this has happened in movies. Like, and I, I'm not ignorant to the fact that pre-code has got away with some stuff. But how... The way they talk about sex, just so, you know, frank and open way was like mind blowing to me. <laughs> like, yeah. um, oh, my God, I'm going back to the the page because I'm trying to remember the main actress. Um, oh, Miriam Hopkins, I think it is. It is um, Miriam Hopkins. Yeah, she's yeah, I love her so much. A yeah. woman <laughs> to have that much like agency and like just control over like what she's doing. And she's just telling people openly in 1933 movie like, yeah. I had sex with this person, this person, and you know, like she just talked about running through people. <laughs> like, it's a good thing like I'm your lady. <laughs> yeah, she's just yes. like talking about all the the sex she's had. I was like, you know, the head was exploding from 1933, and I was like, the fact they're openly in a thruple with like her. And yeah, Cooper and exactly. Because um, I, I know, I know the whole premise of the movie is that they become a thruple: Gary Cooper, Frederick Marsh, and Miriam Hopkins. And they decide, the whole point of it is they decide that they're not going to have sex um, to keep everyone kind of um, not happy. getting jealous. Yeah, not happy. getting jealous, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, though I'm sort of watching there going, yeah, but you do realize Gary Cooper and Frederick March, I can, those characters are completely having sex as well. So, um, <laughs> and so it's because the whole thing is we won't have sex with Miriam Hopkins. I'm like, one, that gets like broken in about two seconds. <laughs> um, and... <laughs> Also, yeah, those two are screwing. So <laughs> it's like they are so flirty with each other and so adorable that I'm just like, no, 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 these guys are in love. I'm sorry. This is <laughs> this is the kind of thing that I always think this movie is like you show somebody, I don't know, a, a younger person or anybody who's like, oh, classic movies are really stuffy and boring. You show them this from 1933, <laughs> almost a hundred years old at this point. And it's like they're talking about sex in a way that I feel like is 
almost healthier than we do in movies now because movies are so sexy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um, I, I was blown away. It's very funny. Uh, performances very, are great. I just really had a good time with it. It was very enjoyable. Um, yeah, it's it's very it's so amazing how things were before pre-code. And I saw somebody had posted like, man, what if the code never the Hayes code never came into existence? What movies would have done for that time? Because it goes on till god like 33 34 it's like in this into the 60s right i mean it goes on 60s yeah so it's like a long period where they're kind of you know locked up with the hates code but yeah why the 70s was movies were so violent it's because they were like ah the case code is gone we're free yes (laughs) magical was like hello i can show boobs and violence now um clearly see the shift when they got away from the code but it's uh, a great example of a pre-code movie and genuinely really funny and um i think based on a play which you kind of can get because it's Yes. Always kind of smaller locations, and it'd be very easy to turn to a play if it was not already. But yeah, it's uh, it was good. I really liked it. Um, so I had to go back and listen to your episode now after I watch Death Trap. I think was the double you and Preston did. It was Death Trap yeah. and uh, a Time for a Living. Um, okay, Death Trap is amazing. Yeah, I've heard nothing it, good I don't want to say I don't want to say anything about it, but it is actually, and I do realize Christopher Reeve is Superman. Like that is he was just happened to be Superman. <laughs> Death Trap might be my favorite performance of his. Like it is so delightful. Like mm-hmm. in the yeah, <laughs> got to go back. I got. I've I've been avoiding spoilers that movie for so long. I feel like it keeps coming on podcasts. And I'm like cover my ears. I'm like I don't fast forward. I don't want to hear anything. Uh, so I just heard it's really good. Um, and last thing, a total probably 180 from Design for a Living because it's just came out. Uh, you know what? Listen, we're what two weeks into January. Number one movie of the year, The Beekeeper. <laughs> Jason Statham. <laughs> Number uh, one. Hound for Justice. Beekeeper. Subtitle. Hound for Justice. Hound for, uh, oh my I God, know. Yes. I'm very looking forward <laughs> to see this. It's in theaters. So I do need to get organized and watch this Um, because it looks like he dunks himself in oil and then fights guys like slippery wise. Did I see that in a trailer yes, or a clip the transporter or something? you're thinking? <laughs> oh, I'm the thinking first, transporter. Okay. The first transporter, <laughs> he like fights man. He's all in oil. He does throw honey on somebody in this. Uh, oh, excellent. And uh, because he's a beekeeper and <laughs> they don't let you forget because they say the word beekeeper, I think, <laughs> 900 times. I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, yeah, he throws bee on uh, or honey on somebody and lights them on fire. <laughs> I had the time of my life, Lindsay. Let me tell you, like, justice imagine. was served again and again <laughs> and again. And I could not get enough. So people were complaining about like, oh, Statham doesn't really face any obstacles. He's just beating people up. Good. Let it good. Just let him keep beating people up for an hour and 45 minutes. I loved it. I told I posted on Twitter. It's a real story that I went to the theater and it was a packed. It was Thursday. So it was like the night before even the weekend started. It was the first night it was playing and it was packed. And uh, I set I have my my theater, my local theater. I always like to sit like corner back kind of just like. I don't know it's like my spot like i have a certain spot and it was like the only seat left and I, the guy next to me at first was giving me shit i felt like because he had to move his stuff out of my seat and i was like mm. yeah buddy how about that but i thought we have a problem but it was like is he moving he seemed oh, like that oh. in the hold of his episode like everyone had like their packed i'm like this is my seat and they just looked at me going do you have to i'm like 
yeah i have to this is my yeah i booked the seat specifically yeah like, you gotta get out yeah buddy i bought the seat before anybody else did because i bought the seat the day before yeah. and i hadn't sold a single seat the next day they sold all the seats so uh again hold this is holdovers this but this is more the dramatic version <laughs> middle-aged people <laughs> wanting to go see a nice movie and i'm like no i booked this seat specific this is my seat i go to every single <laughs> week seat. i book I it, it specifically i know <laughs> uh, so i got there and i thought this guy's not gonna like me it's like oh man i gotta move my stuff for this guy and he was like he's talking to his wife and then he just he's one of those guys just talked like outwardly to anybody uh, that was in earshot and i thought i don't think i'm gonna like this but he was so likable that it like one we just he was like just loving the movie as much as i was and i felt like we were just bonded over that, yeah yeah and then he was just like telling his wife when he's like this is my cousin right here he's like i love this guy. <laughs> like, um we're just like we're just loving it and uh every time we were like the ones cackling when statham would like murder somebody everyone else was pretty silent we were like oh no, shit <laughs> no question how many stairs are in this movie? Because I know... <laughs> Sorry, there's a bit of you know, few action movies I know that you've liked, or a few Alice for Justice movies I know you've liked, Equalizer, John Wick 4, that, that the stairs play very important I do important believe part. there is a stairwell sequence where he throws <laughs> some people, I think. Yes. I, it's all kind of a blur of yeah. action and beekeeping, but it's like, <laughs> just this premise is so... You know, they go so in on the premise like the beekeeper thing about like he is a beekeeper where he's literally taking care of bees on the farm of Felicia Rashad and like you know he's and she's very nice to him and then like she gets scammed and loses all her money by these scammers who remind me so much of like the guys from like Wolf of Wall Street they're all in like a big room together on the phone like scamming old people techno lights happening in the background while they're trying to scam people I thought was from the trailer oh yeah (laughs) it's like yeah that and then they and she kills herself it's all in the trailers i'm not giving anything away this is all the setup um it happens so quickly that i had a couple complaints i think they don't set up her character enough and she kills herself like very quickly like there's no like you barely see her like be like just so distraught over losing all her money and she also was like running a charity and lost a bunch of money for the charity and like then she's like just dead like it's like next scene (laughs) killed herself i'm like maybe they could have talked or she could have been more upset that's a little bit and one point statham like I think it's almost straight down to camera. He, uh, like looks at the camera and says something like, uh, uh, the worst thing in our society is to scam children and old people. And then he says something like, it might be worse because children have parents to look after them, but old people have no one to look after. Like (laughs) it's very heavy handed, but it was okay. I have some minor quit, you know, minor quibbles, I would say, but, you know, otherwise, it's just a lot of like Statham. He's part of this organization called the Beekeepers, and they protect the hive. And there's some like shadow organization that's like off the grid, <laughs> and like you know, and um, he's like the ultimate badass. At one point, Jeremy Irons is so good in this because he has to do all the like delivering, all the I guess exposition, but also kind of describing what yeah. beekeepers are. And I feel like he's just like chewing up the dialogue and the scene in like a great way where it's like, he's relishing it. He do this at one point. He's like collected all these like special forces guys. He goes, you're all the best of the best army Rangers seals. He's like, you're a bunch of pussies compared to the beekeeper. <laughs> 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 and he's like, I imagine if I gather enough of you, you might have a chance. Like just building Statham <laughs> up to be like, so badass. Like I just loved it. And then like, um, I mean, it, I, yeah, it's just him beating people. <laughs> Like I, t- I had the time. It's such a great time. So much justice. He has a great fight near the end, um, like a one-on-one fight with somebody in a, like a hallway of mirrors, like a knife fight. Um, it's really brutal. A good fight. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, 
Yeah, and then I just, I mean, I don't know. It's, it was like kind of like a wild twist near the end. I would not spoil it, but I was just like, <laughs> wow, they really are going there. Like, they're just, it's, I don't know. I had so much fun. Like, I don't need so many B puns. Couldn't get enough of it. Oh. Um, had such a great time. Like, legitimately, not, I, mean, I saw some stupid articles being like, this looks like the best bad movie. I'm like, it's just not a bad movie. It's a really no, fun action I've movie. Seeing like, those, it's like when something's kind of hit something and, now everyone's like going, well, this is obviously a bad movie. I'm like, no, no, no. This is what action movies are. This is how they are made. This is what they are, their functions for. You don't call it bad. Just because you got John Wick 4 and you think every action movie now needs to be like an action art movie. No, no, no. Sometimes it's just Nathan Statham, Statham punching people in the head. And that's that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's what I wanted. That's what I got. Yeah. So I had a wonderful time. Um, and yeah, I can't wait to see the beekeeper. I can't wait to hear your thoughts. No, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's um, it's definitely on the list because I can be a little bit hot and cold on David Ayers. I think he's the one who, who did it. Yeah, but, um, I, no, this looks I am too. very back to basic. So yeah. I am too, but this he's doing good work here. I think like it's it's good stuff. Um, because I was like when I heard, I like I love the trailer when I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, David Ayers been kind of hit or miss for me, but I think he's on point in the beekeeper. Like he, the tone is, I I, I think it understands like there's a inherent like silliness to all this like yes plays it pretty straight but like there is like kind of a, a it doesn't go over the silliness it's a good balance of like yes it's just kind of like we're having fun it's silly but also like taking like the action and stuff seriously i don't know how to describe it it's just i think it's i really had like a great time so um it's fun so uh that was all i had i feel like we talked about a lot of stuff but that was yes. great that was good stuff um <laughs> but uh more good stuff we talk about to live and die in la William Freakin's movie from 1985 that uh, I it was I just watched it not too long ago a few like a few months ago and I was like but it was still I was like I was so excited to revisit it again it was like I was like oh I get to watch to live and die in L A again yay um so I guess I will ask you first so you you had definitely you've seen this before we did this yes. episode okay yes. um did you throw it out because you're kind of on a freaking kick or because he passed away I and you were thinking about him did. and Yes. Uh, he passed away last year. And even though it shouldn't have been a shock because the man was like 85. Um, Maybe he, like 90. Was, I don't know. Who's a 90, dude. yeah. Um, he was always kind of that grumpy old man presence who would go on podcasts and just bitch about the fact that they made a French connection to or an exorcist to and how terrible they were. And no one was as good <laughs> as he was. Which, to be fair, this is actually kind of true. I mean, his last words, or not as like, I like to think his last words were ex exorcist believer sucks and then dies. Um, it's, so yeah, I was on kind of a kick. I'd, I'd, I was lucky enough to go see um, a anniversary screening of The Exorcist. And then when you're watching that movie and you're just realizing how good that movie is. And then you go, I think I did an episode with Chris Atado on The French Connection. And you realize how good that movie is. Um, <laughs> so I was just kind of going through and watching it. And then I happened to look on your letterbox and saw that you had just seen it and that you really liked it. And I'm like, you know what? I really need to watch To Live and Die in LA again because I remember liking it. But um, it's a very ethereal movie, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. It kind of, it's because it's so much about propulsion, so much about the style, so much about that Wang Chung score that I think a little bit had left my head. So watching it this time was kind of like a slap in the face because I had forgotten a lot of the plot. So um, this was this was amazing. <laughs> yes, it's... Uh, I liked it so much that it's in my letterbox favorites right now. I, oh! Uh, yeah, it's... I won't even... I probably should... Not. I'm, I'm not going to bury the lead here, but I, it is It is my favorite William Friedkin movie. And that's... Some, 
stiff competition. Kind of goes, he saw I was watching us. I said, Yeah, we're watching, you know, the, the Till of and Die. And he goes, This might actually, I th- I'm just kidding. He goes, This is Friedkin's favorite. I'm kidding, but I'm kind of not. I went, No, I think he actually might be right. This might be one of his best movies. <laughs> it's it's very much to my taste, Till of and Die very in LA. Much, yeah. Like it's cops and criminals, and uh, it feels like it could have been a Michael Mann movie. Uh, it, it could have, <laughs> but he's, I mean, I've heard a lot of reviews go saying, Oh, this wouldn't have existed without Miami Vice, but I'm watching it going, I think he's kind of mocking Miami Vice. He's pushing it to his most logical conclusion, especially where the William um, Peterson character goes. And you're just like, I think he's mocking Miami Vice, right? I think he's mocking 80s cop movies, but he's doing the most 80s cop movie. Right. Like, I mean, it literally (laughs) starts with a cop going, I'm too old for this shit. And I'm pretty sure... Lethal Weapon came out the year before. Like that No, was no, no. I, I wrote this. This is my first note. My first note yeah. was two years because Lethal Weapon's 87. Oh, shit. Yes. So this predates <laughs> Lethal Weapon. And he's saying verbatim, I'm too old for this shit. Uh, Michael Green is the guy who plays his like, older partner to start off. Yeah. Partner. And I was like, what? Like, I was like, <laughs> he beat Shane Black for the punch on I'm too old for this shit. And it's funny how much more famous, only famous really from Lethal Weapon. But I'm like, they yeah. did it first. But um. Yeah, and it's like the it's so much a cop cliche too. Oh, we're gonna spoil the hell out of to live and die in LA. I, I yeah. think I probably say that, but it's such a cop cliche too because William Peterson tells somebody Michael Green gets killed again, very shocking, quick fashion, and he tells oh somebody God. like he had yeah. two days to retirement, which yes. is like such a trope that it's mocked in Last Action Hero when the the dead cops in the palm tree, and he's like two days to retire. It literally says two days to retire. And so I'm like, yeah, what a, you might be right. You might be right that he's like almost making fun of like eighties cop movies at this point. But I thought this, this is like kind of in the middle of all that. So I didn't think they'd be like making fun of eighties cop movies, but you might be onto something. Like I don't know. I mean, he's pushing the tropes so hard. The fact that you realize when you're watching it and it's kind of, it does, it, the movie does a flip because it's doing the whole William Peterson is the typical, I mean, it's almost like he's making fun of Clint Eastwood's Dirty Harry about this guy who's much more stylish, kind of hotter, that you actually want to see naked um, <laughs> and and all that kind of thing. And then he's doing all that bullshit of, you know, yelling at district attorneys and kind of like, I am the law kind of thing. And then all of a sudden he kidnaps an FBI agent, gets him killed, and then turns into the actual villain of the piece. So <laughs> it's kind of like... If Dirty Harry follows his logical conclusion, yeah, he's actually technically a bad guy. Um, and that's William Peterson. It's just, it's kind of amazing. It's, it's It feels like, in his, William Freakin has this thing where he goes, he cannot just make a movie at normal speed. He has to go so hard on it. Like watching his other movies, like um, I watched Cruising for the first time and then about within 20 minutes, I had to get up, pour myself a whiskey, sit back down and kind of, steady myself okay right i'm in bondage um homosexual sex here al pacino might be enjoying this i wasn't expecting the sex to be as violent as it was and now i need a stiff drink like kind of thing and <laughs> to live and die in la la is kind of the same <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's uh, most of freaking movies i feel like need a stiff drink afterwards you really do he yeah. uh he takes things to like they're very stressful or they're very shocking uh it's well they're just insane like jade (laughs) sorry i've been watching a lot of william freaking and i still need to see the director's kind of jade but when you watch jade you're just like what the hell is happening (laughs) (laughs) 
they uh yeah jade is jade maybe my least favorite freaking that i've seen but but you're still jade... watching it going wait is that a golden buddha, buddha just being dragged across the screen what what is that what is going on <laughs> yeah oh but jade still has like things that are entertaining like it's a fuck house is yes <laughs> get to hear uh him say that uh, david caruso say it's a fuck house which is you know makes the whole movie worth it in my in my opinion yes. um but yeah i mean it's god i mean like we're all the place but it's like it's yeah freaking just does these Sorry, things I, where, it's my fault no you're that. no you're fine you're fine <laughs> and this would happen because i had so much i was like tossed around in my head about this movie but um it's it's just like the way freaking does things is like um he takes like these things that could be in hands of somebody else like more generic kind of stories like exorcist could have been like a run-of-the-mill horror movie i think if somebody else you know, I don't know. I haven't read yes, William Peter Buddy Peter Buddy's book, but you know, I like I'm good source material. But I feel like there's a way that we could have been like lesser than it is. This could have been a very like run of the mill cop movie. Um, like he, he, I think he even helps Jade a little bit. I think Jade's problems are like in the script, even though I think they're oh yeah. I think that that um God who wrote that uh, oh the same guy who wrote uh, Basic Instinct. That's and, what I thought. What is his um, name? <laughs> Showgirls um oh, esther esther house? No, esther house. i think it's esther house yeah like he, he, i think he claims joe, joe esther house joe esther house yes he claims that that he thought his script was much better before freaking out his hands on it and changed stuff so i don't know but uh no because he, he says the same thing about showgirls and um no that that's not. <laughs> he just he won't take responsibility <laughs> for any of these things um a, a movie called the guardian that freaking did that i like it's a weird i just like, bought it yeah it's a weird little movie that again it's not like amazing i like it a little better than jade and it's but it's it, he does something with that and uh oh god what's the other one i'm thinking of um sorcerer my god the way like... oh my okay that is maybe one of the greatest movies ever made even again i'm just watching it i'm just looking at this movie going oh so he's actually just doing barely any dialogue like there are so many yeah. stretches stretches of just you just looking at Roy Schreiner's face or it's, I mean, I know people say it's about this transportation of um, explosives to the jungle so they can get to this mine site. Um, but that's kind of a small part of the movie. I mean, it isn't okay. It's, it's the last chunk of the movie, but it, you've got all this other stuff happening and it turns into a Werner Herzog movie where you're just like, Oh, guys descending into the jungle and going insane. Um, it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's about the exploitation of this country, of these oil workers coming in. I mean, we were talking off mic, but it's like, who gave William Freakin explosion explosives in South America? That is not a good idea. It looked like <laughs> people are really close to those explosions, like really close. <laughs> they are. I, yeah, I, I think Freakin, one of his things, it, it, I think sometimes he would do things where like, oh, it's so authentic because I think he was just doing things for real and kind of in dangerous situations. Oh, like, the, the cinematographer refused, refused to do the, um, I don't know if he refused to, but he didn't know how to do it, the car chase in, in Live to Live and Die. When, he, oh, yeah, when he get... they're going in the car and they're going on the wrong side, so they're go, running into traffic. Apparently his cinematographer, he, who he had worked with on the likes of, I think French Connection, a few other things, went, I don't know how to do this. This doesn't feel safe. I don't want to. And so we had to get another guy in to shoot it. Uh, yeah, I think... Or I thought maybe maybe both things are true because there was yeah. a, uh, um, I thought he had worked with like it was like it was a stunt driver too. The, I thought the stunt driver was like, I can't do this chase; it's too dangerous. And he went and yeah. found somebody else. It might have been both guys, um, because that chase just seems like legitimately very dangerous. Like they're just running through 
actual LA traffic. Um, yeah. And I mean, listen, freaking no, no stranger to chase scenes like, uh, and they're always interesting and great. Like French connection, obviously very famous chase scene, the chase scene to live and die in LA, I feel like should be mentioned with French connection. It really an, should. Yeah. Like, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. Bane has that weird, it's interesting, like, it's like a slow car chase, because he's stuck in a parade. <laughs> it's like, he's stuck in traffic. He's stuck in San Francisco traffic. You're watching it, because you realize that Friedkin's always seeming to, like, wanting to up his French Connection car chase, which is an incredible piece of work, and I don't, I think they just did it in traffic, that one. I think in the LA one, they actually got stunt drivers to come in, because there was no way, even in 1986, they were going to let him do that stunt in yeah. regular oh, yeah. LA they... traffic, like... <laughs> yeah i think there was a little bit of safety at least safety in that one french connection they just went and did it and everyone just like what What the hell did you just do um yeah, <laughs> you did what and now you did what new york um <laughs> but you can tell he's always trying to up that chase because that's what he was known for so he's try always trying to up up to beat it and then he gets to um jade and it's like oh so what if he's what if david caruso stuck in traffic what if he tries to take a shortcut through chinatown and then everyone tries to murder him because <laughs> he gets stuck. It's like, yeah, that didn't quite work because people being stuck in traffic while they're trying to do a car chase just is never as interesting as people think it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. But it's still, it's it's kind of funny in a weird way, that whole Jane one. Yes. But, um, but yeah, so, so live and die in LA. I guess I will take us here. I, William Peterson, a guy when I was growing up, was like a guy I only knew, and I never watched a show from CSI. He was like oh, the, CS, the CSI <laughs> yes. guy. And then I saw Manhunter, and I saw this. I don't. I think I saw Manhunter like quite a few years before Live and Die mm -hmm. in L.A. But I was like, man, mid '80s William Peterson is really good. <laughs> like I was discounting him as CSI guy. And he's great in this and Manhunter. Um, yeah, I just, I like, he's so good in this. Uh, but you're, I want to go, you speak because I thought you were going to say something. So, oh, no, it's just there was a group of us when we were in the early 2000s who were, kept watching CSI because of the weird, hot old guy that we didn't know why he was hot. And then you go back, <laughs> and then I went back and watched Manhunter. Went, oh, because he was hot. Okay. That, that <laughs> is making so much sense. Um, but yeah, it was the same thing. It's like you watch CSI and then it's a very dumb show. Um, speaking of David Caruso. <laughs> oh, yeah. God, this um, CSA in Miami takes the dumbness of the first one to see, a whole new level. The puns with the glasses and the sound. Oh, my God. The theme song. Here's the thing. David Caruso, not a leading man. He's a weirdo, So which is why he works in um, CSI in Miami, because he can just do the dumb pun, pull the glasses up and go, well, such and such case. <laughs> um, and you're just like, yes. Good. Um, I I am I, I can switch off my brain. I don't have to think because they're going to tell me exactly what's going to happen. Um, but then you go back and you watch Manhunter because you find out there's another um, Hannibal Lecter movie. And then not only, and then you realize, oh, Will, William Peterson was really good. He's got a, this weird intensity about him that he only, that he doesn't do anymore because I think he, because it must take a lot of energy. And to kind of put him against William Defoe again, who had a lot of intensity in the 80s, is kind of perfect. It's, yeah, I don't know how else to explain it. It's like these two very intense pretty men staring off at each other. Um. <laughs> yeah, they both have, like, intense energy, like, kind of, but, like, weirdo energy. <laughs> like, yes! But Defoe is is very, I don't, I don't, restrained is the right word in this, 
he's like quietly slimy in this. Like it, he it's is. It's different than a lot of other Defoe performances. He's so young, and it's just like it's it's different than what I'm later Defoe that I've come to. I mean, it's not Green Goblin, obviously. He's not like, he's not Green Goblin, Green Goblin is a special performance. It's um, very special, and I enjoy yeah. it quite a bit. But this is very. I'm, a scientist. Is, I'm something of a scientist myself. No, <laughs> this is very like cool, measured, like but still kind of slimy and weird. You know, like it's just uh, it, he's very interesting. I think he's very good in this. Uh, um, he, he's he's excellent in this because I love the idea of a tortured artist being a counterfeiter. There's something very L.A. about that. Yeah, it's because he's always burning his paintings, um, which is a metaphor that comes up through the movie because he starts. So he, he realizes his art doesn't isn't worth anything like he kind of understands that money's only as much is only as worth as much as you put on it um so he kind of gets the whole thing a bit more than everyone else because i was listening to a little bit of freaking because freaking was great because he would just talk about all his movies and oh, in yeah. very specific mm -hmm. detail and he liked the idea of doing when he read the book that it was based on he liked the idea because it was the secret service it's not your usual fbi um cops that kind of thing it's the, so secret service are either in charge of taking care of the president of the united states or arrest or or um rifling out counterfeit 50 dollar bills like it's two extremes of um great importance to national security or fake money like which yeah i didn't know the secret service even did anything like this i just thought they protected the president I thought that was the only yeah. thing the secret service did so i was and very... it's not even in washington it's in la yeah <laughs> right i was very surprised and i was like secret service like well that's different i was like and the president's not involved like you know um and yeah i had no idea that was the thing they did but apparently it is and uh that's a different spin on things because yeah i didn't know that yeah like freaking had talked about that at all but um yeah i wish i'd so I don't know about you. I don't. Do you have the DVD or Blu-ray of this? Do you own this? I have like, the I have the Arrow Blu-ray. Yeah. Did you do a commentary? No, I was meant to, but I didn't. I didn't get a chance. Yeah. No. So I just. It was funny because I I, well, I forgot to mention earlier. Like I was worried I would and I was going to watch this movie because I have the Blu-ray, but I think I mentioned before that like the place like as I rent and I don't have control over when things are done. They've been doing all this work and changing uh, the yeah. floors out, so I had to take all my movies off the shelf. Uh, well, the flooring got put in and they all got put into boxes and bags and just wherever I could find space. Oh, no. So I have yeah. no clue where the To Live and Die in L.A. Blu-ray is. And I was digging. And this was today that we're recording this. I was like, shit, I could not find the Blu-ray. It's <laughs> like and because uh, I wanted to watch it in the film features. And I was like, I can't find it. And then this movie is notoriously hard to stream. It like, is. It's not available. I think I thought, okay, a Blu-ray came out, a 4K from Kino came out, gotta be somewhere. It's still nowhere. You can't like pay for it. God bless though. Somebody put up like a really nice quality, like I think it's like the 4K on YouTube. Oh, so I can so watch cool. it on yeah. YouTube because I was like, shit, I am in trouble because <laughs> I can't find this Blu-ray. But it looked great if you're if you want to watch it and you don't own it. It's on YouTube. It looks pretty fantastic, which is not always the case for movies put up to YouTube. But um, so I could not watch any of the the bonus. There's features. a lot. It's it's just, the arrows is, is a stacked disc. I could be wrong, but I want to say it has a couple of commentaries because you have the freaking com commentary, and I think you have another one that they did for it. Um, so there's a lot to dig into because again, Free Kid was such a wealth of information and snarky kind of gloating of <laughs> smugness 
about every single one of his much deserved. I mean, it's not like you watch a Billy Friedkin movie and go, not that great. Well, maybe um, the one he did with Tommy Lee Jones, but the um, uh, well, something of engage, Lords of Engagement or Rules of Engagement, whatever that one. Oh was. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, yeah, yeah. I didn't love that one. Um, but usually, <laughs> just like it's freaking. Where's the where's the um, you're kind of tame in this one. It feels like you're just pointing and shooting. Um, it's yeah so he's he's such a wealth of information about why he does certain things looking back and saying okay i wouldn't have done the french connection car chase the way i did because i realize now people could have died they just went into actual traffic and, right. and just was weaving around <laughs> going and he wanted to show how fast he was going or even in sorcerer you're watching this going oh i don't think you would have done that the same way like people would have gotten hurt during that thing i mean they're in water they're trying to lift like out things it's it's kind of getting into very much about how the oil, um, uh, the um, uh, companies kind of go into these countries and just kind of destroy them um, as much as it is about um, Roy Schreider going insane. It's so, it, yeah, so he's he's really, really fascinating. So I really want to dig into it because it's one of those discs where you just have even because I, I bought the 4K of The Exorcist and that's even got some stuff on there. I'm so looking forward to him just like why he does he's such an open director of why he does certain things and he's he's brilliant to listen to yeah that's my favorite things about him is he's so uh very open about like yeah what works and more like what doesn't work and people he doesn't like and uh, like uh it's about pacino he said or something with the method acting. oh yeah those two did not get along no. at all oh <laughs> uh, i mean so i appreciate how uh candid he is when he talks about it. he does a really entertaining such a distinct voice like literally i mean his yes. voice is so distinct and the way he says uh, i think it's like a fs movie joke but about you like, blu-ray like the way blue he says ray. Blu-ray, yes. blu-ray um he just god there was that i watched the uh documentary probably last year i think it was weird because i think the time it was before he passed away and i'd watched the freaking uncut documentary oh um, i need to see that yeah it's really good it's like I mean, the palma where you just it is about like the palma yeah. one yes uh but again the bad thing is that they kind of skip over the movies that weren't big or successes, which is the ones I kind of want to hear the most about. <laughs> like, I get why they wouldn't want to talk about him, but um, like, talk more about the guardian, please. I want to know, like, but he, <laughs> but he's I actually, I need to look up sorcerer interviews. Cause I know he's very proud of that movie, but that movie was never going to be as big as I think he thought it was going to be. And plus that movie came out two weeks before a certain um, space wizard movie came out. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was the same <laughs> yeah. weekend. Oh, same weekend. Okay, I was, Maybe. I was close. very, yeah. very close. Uh, and he had no chance against Star Wars. It's like no, it's like an ET and thing, you know, battle. Last again. Action like, Hero, uh, Jurassic Park kind uh, of deal. Like it was uh, never going to. <laughs> the thing about Last Action Hero, though, is at least it seemed like it should be a crowd pleasing blockbuster. Yes, it, but yes. it's like, but ET and the Thing and and Sorcerer and Star oh, Wars. Oh yeah, it's you're like, right. Yeah, the people are going to gravitate toward the more I think commercial choice. <laughs> like, um, you know, those are tough sells against like crowd pleasing movies but um yeah. but yeah he he did seem i i don't remember if he says sorcerer's his favorite movie of his but i know he is proud of that movie um as he should be it's really really good it's, yeah and I'd be proud of in movie. la i think yeah. didn't do like gangbusters or anything but i no I think found I, a life afterwards and he's still pretty proud of that one too did i mean you would definitely be proud of that one but i think it kind of got well, this is just a normal 80s cop movie and then probably not realizing that it's kind of stretching it out to its most logical conclusion as in the cop is the criminal. Like that is 
um, there's always, when you're working with criminals, there's always going to be an inherent amount of corruption going on within the police force, right. which is yeah. absolutely true. Um, especially and some of the stuff that, I mean, William Peterson's kind of gross from the get-go, which is amazing. <laughs> Even his partner's like, oh, I can't, you got a feeling he's retiring because he's like had seven years of this guy. He's almost getting him killed. And then he does get <laughs> killed. Like, um, yeah. he goes, I don't know why he went alone. Maybe because you are insane. And he was thinking I may survive this if I go alone. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't like you very much. <laughs> he's, he doesn't yes. care for you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, it's funny. Yeah. Cause I didn't think about that, but I think he does want to get away from him probably. It probably thinks he's so wild and reckless. He may get him killed. Um, just, just cause he never really and... answers that question about why he goes by himself to that. To no. that place in the desert he just has a lead and just i guess goes and then gets himself killed in very shocking dramatic fashion it's so big shotgun blown kind of on the ground kind of yeah it's yeah. it's brutal yeah yeah and they shoot him again i'm like i'm pretty sure he's dead already <laughs> they really they keep shooting uh but well yeah. william defoe is about overkill i mean it's is it steve james who's in this movie um oh my god yeah steve james who's yeah i though the one thing i did not believe about this movie that william defoe could kick his ass no like, i know uh, <laughs> i've seen american <laughs> ninja one and two yes like i know steve james is actually i know very... <laughs> yeah steve james from canon movie so it's fun to see him in a freaking movie and he's like <laughs> He, I know he could probably kick his ass. I'm like, it's you're asking me to believe a lot that he's not just well, kicking. Well, DeVoe's a tiny, tiny, slim man. That's just, yes. I mean, he has intensity, but I think he wins Steve James like, is an actual martial, yeah. martial artist. Yeah, I guess against a gun, you know, but it's like, <laughs> like but uh, I, I was like, Steve James should just like throw Wim Dafoe's tiny self out a window. Like he's like, yes. just, he's built like, you know, just, yeah, it's been so funny. But I, I liked, I thought Steve James was really good at this. And I feel like this time I was he like is. more keyed in on like his performance for some reason. I think I was looking for different things, but he's really good. Like it's, it's full of like familiar faces, but like a almost random collection of like John Turturro pops up before he was really Love famous. So yeah, he's it, really it pops good. up in color of money as well being. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he pops up. Dean Stockwell. is really good yes. as this lawyer. He doesn't have a lot of scenes, but he's like really believable. It's like, okay, this guy's like a criminal's, lawyer got it like you know and, and considering he's kind of like the exposition guy like he keeps coming in to explain how to maneuver certain things what's sort of going on why people are doing certain things and the fact that he is the one who gives um because i really loved uh i think it's uh um john Pencow's performance in this which i never really that paid much attention to him but the fact that he is kind of the good cop who gets corrupted I think is a fascinating thing. And he's the one who could have had the way out. If he had actually done the whole, I will, you know, testify against my corrupt partner. Right. Um, right. But then, no, he just essentially just takes his place, which. That was, oh, that that's such an interesting, <laughs> just... bizarre kind of turn. I was like, I just, I mean, we're, now we're jumping in that movie, but it's, I, I, the John Pankow, no, it's fine. I, I, it's, I just, it's funny. It's like the, the end of the movie is such a, weird little turn i almost forgot about that john pankow literally starts dressing like william peterson yes uh, like becomes this different personality um i guess he's a changed man after all the stuff he's gone through and yeah. killing william defoe and all this shit but i just think it's so interesting that he just like becomes william peterson into the point where he dresses like him comes into his house to what is her name darlene flugel i believe is the actress yes. ruth who's like the the uh, informant that William Peterson's mm. been sleeping with, 
but also being a dick to her. <laughs> like so then constantly threatening her to send her to prison. Like right. it's it's awful. It's a terrible yeah. relationship. And uh, it's like he's just sleeping with her foreman and like dangling like the carrot of like freedom in front of her face, but like never letting her go. And then Pankow comes, she's about to leave. She's like, Cool, he's dead. I can go now. And then Pankow's like, No, no, now you work for me. And I was like, Man, what a weird circle of like, you know, this this guy just becomes Peterson after he starts off as like, yeah, the decent cop and it's it's funny because john pankow's not a guy i think of really at all besides this movie and like i don't it's funny my first thought was like man john pankow's like seems kind of like a weak co-lead but but i've come around and i think he's perfect for the part because that's kind of the role of the guy that he's playing is he's kind of like the more like by the books like you know i don't want to say nerdy i guess nerdy <laughs> Of like the no, nerdy he's kind of nerdy, except for that yeah. last scene. He's he's very nerdy, um, and the fact that he's the one freaking out uh, yeah, during freaking the car chase. He's just a, he's in the back of the car, almost hyperventilating. Which, by the way, would be me. Like, <laughs> don't yeah, I would not be doing well in that situation. Um, <laughs> he's the one who, once he finds out that it is a FBI agent that they got killed, then who was undercover. I love how this is what happens when you don't have proper coverage. I'm like, no, this is what happens when you let William Peterson do his thing. Um, it's, <laughs> it, it's kind of, he's the one who goes, what are we under? We're freaking out. I, I, he's the one who's going to go, go to get legal uh, advice to see how he can kind of one, get out of this and to make things right. Um, and ultimately he decides not to and becomes just as corrupt and because he's gone through all this shit and realizes nothing kind of matters it's all about um because for William Peterson I like how it's about the thrill of the thing not necessarily the money he's more interested in getting off on the yeah like on the, almost getting killed and the danger yeah, the excitement and of like danger excitement. Yeah, I mean they set yeah. that up so well in the first like one of the first scenes of the movie when yeah. he bungee jumps you're yes. like, oh, this guy's a daredevil. And then he seems like thrilled during the car chase. Like he seems genuinely giddy. Like I this time was ready. He yes. looks excited. And then John Pankas in the back of the car, like losing his mind as most normal people would be if they're being shot at and chased. And yeah. they've just like done something like illegal and they're, you know, working for law enforcement. And like he has a normal reaction. And William Peter sounds like the insane daredevil reaction where he's like, this is fun, is what it seems like. Yeah. I'm having like, a great time. Yeah, let's just drive into um into traffic. Like not yeah, it's and cause all this havoc. I like how the, the when they're listening to the news kind of thing, but no one died. I'm like, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> cars died? are flipping off the freeway. <laughs> zero people die yeah i'm like what oh this uh, is only oh this is only gonna cost a few minutes on on the highway i'm like no this is oh, not yeah. this would be <laughs> a standstill three four five hour in traffic you yeah. cannot get home la is bad enough and you're telling me like a <laughs> yes. massive pile up and like it's like yeah we'll get that cleared a few minutes like what like how <laughs> yes. uh no i don't think so uh yeah so <laughs> john pankow and peterson are such interesting dynamic because they're you know it's like crazy daredevil thrill seeker guy who's like just trying to stay alive and is kind of scared and is in way yeah. over his head with this. He's like, uh, yeah. And so they make an interesting pair. Um, I, I guess we should talk about like William Peterson's like progression. Cause like, yeah, he starts off like, Oh, he's the cool, like, I don't play by the rules cop. But like, as it goes along, he's just like getting more and more exposed for what a shitty, like what an asshole he is. Like, yeah. And it happens pretty quickly. 
like you're on his side because his partner just got shot who was retiring in three days which i still love the fact this is one of the first movies to do this actually anthony king if you're listening let me know just if it was living to die in la the first to do it. i'm too old for this shit um <laughs> but it kind of i mean it does i love the opening because the opening's really cheesy it's a typical 80s action movie you have secret service you've got ronald reagan You've got a guy who's who's got a suicide bomber and it gets taken out. It's like this whole 80s action movie in like five minutes. Then the movie starts and then you start yeah. realizing William Peterson loses his partner. He wants revenge, very typical. And then slowly, especially how he's treating um, uh, Darlene Fugel um, and the way he's kind of um, even slightly... I mean, William Defoe is like not a person you'd want to that character you'd want to be in a room with. Yeah, <laughs> but he's just as bad in different ways. He's just as reckless. He's more about the thrill of it. He's kind of very similar to William Defoe's character in a lot of ways. And the more you watch it, the more you're like, oh, this is a villain's. This is a villain story. This isn't even an anti-hero story in a lot of ways. Right. And it's. <laughs> got this beautiful bleakness by the end when John Pacnow says, oh, you work for me now. And you're like, oh no, this is not the heroes. Cause most eighties cop movies are about the hero's journey. You, they don't play by the rules, um, but they seem to get away with everything and they get their guy at the end and order is restored. This one, the order is just pure corruption. Like that is. Right. It's, it's like a, it's like a hero yeah. story to becoming a villain. It's yes like, uh <laughs> william peterson's like yeah he's not great to start off we don't think he's that bad i mean it's like it, the, mm. the thing with like uh ruth the informant and you're like okay that's not great but they seem like they're into each other but he says something really shitty to her after they had sex like yeah uh oh god i'm probably blanking the line but something she really goes, shitty. i need money what's in it for me and he's like oh if you want the government doesn't care about how much money you do or don't have like or something like that yeah it's, it's really a, a shitty and then it's like well he really goes over the line when he's telling john pink like listen we'll just rob this guy to get the money to pay uh Wom defoe and he's like so we're just gonna steal from someone else like we're government agents and because they won't approve him they only give him like ten thousand bucks and he's 30 yes. and they need thirty thousand. so he's like well i know what we'll do we'll just rob this guy coming in um who then so he's like, okay, we're just robbing, we're just robbing people now. I guess we're doing, and they and they get to yeah. Stop. It's it, do you think Ruth knew he was? I mean, she denies it, but the fact that she is literally just trying to get out of under um William Peterson. Do you think she knew he was an undercover FBI agent, yeah. or is it just luck of the draw? The fact that it uh that I know she's trying to get away from him, and she seems like she knows more that's going on than she lets on, and the fact that it's getting yeah. brought up makes me. I do think that she knew that guy was FBI. I was hoping that it would go badly for William Peterson. Like, and it goes very badly because then that FBI agent gets shot. They go on this, the crazy car chase we've talked about and yeah. they do manage to get out of it. Like barely, like by the, the skin of their teeth. And then, and then it's so funny when they, they're in a big meeting and their director or somebody's like, Oh, and by the way, the FBI is looking for these two guys. And they describe, you know, it's them. They're looking it's for those two And John Hank goes, yeah. like, they're going to find it. And William Peterson's like, don't worry, man. They're never going to find it. <laughs> like he's so, calm and collected about that he's not even worried he's like they're never gonna find us like it's fine like um you know it's just the the attitudes and the personalities just like couldn't be any more different than to for john Paco again to become william peterson is like you know he's been through some shit like <laughs> he's been through some shit but the fact that the, i love the reveal of that you find out that it was fbi agents who were chasing them because you think yeah. it's other criminals so you think it's criminals chasing cops and oh that's interesting because usually it's the cop chasing the criminal and then it happens oh no they're the criminals <laughs> like in terms of a buddy cop movie they're the criminals the cops were chasing right. them you were just in their point of view and you're like 
oh god damn freaking I love you like only <laughs> you could do it like this where you're just adding things onto adding things and before you know it um yeah you're watching I'm like oh this is like probably what Dirty Harry would have actually been like it's just like I'm breaking all the rules and it's becoming corruption it is not it necessarily right. in the public interest it is now just what he wants to do and um yeah I, I still think Friedkin's like totally trolling Clint Eastwood in this respect <laughs> he, he might but... be and it's, it's it kind of saying yeah like there's no way you can kind of like dip your toe into this kind of stuff you just become mm. fully you know, oh I did one corrupt thing and then it's like oh no just like you're gonna keep going down the path of like doing worse and worse shit and it's gonna get completely out of hand to the point where you can't control it anymore like um we'll just steal from this guy it's fine then like it completely blows up and that's funny that, that point about like yeah we're watching like the bad guys perspective of a chase but they think they're the good guys and the the other cops obviously think they're bad guys too because they're just like oh these guys grabbed an fbi agent and they're you just know. shooting things on the freeway i'm just like what is happening <laughs> yeah again nobody died somehow but they no one dies <laughs> no one dies um they uh yeah and then yeah, Peterson gets worse and worse. And then, like, I mean, again, one of the most shocking things that Freakin has done to, is when William Peterson just gets blown away in that locker room scene. Yeah. And it's so um, quick and shocking and just so, like, stark. That's like, I Freakin, like, does a thing with violence and these shocking moments where it's, like, they just happen. So, like, ah, like, it's not. And it just moves on. You just like, ah, yeah. like, we don't even like linger on it. Like, it just, it's just like, because the thing in Sorcerer, which I won't spoil completely, but, like, I've seen it multiple times now and it's still shot. I know what's coming. I'm still shocked. And it's the same thing with this William Peterson getting shot to live and die in LA. Like it's just the way it happens is so shocking and quick and like just stark that it's like, ah, and it's like, how it's like, you just killed the main star of the movie. Like the, the hero who's not really the hero. We just, but it's like, you, you just gone. It's like, okay, well shit, what do we do? Now? <laughs> you know? No, it really is. I'm like, wait, what? There's like, 15 minutes 20 minutes to go of, of this movie well maybe more 15 because it's very close to the end but you're like wait what's happening now um and it's kind of and it really mirrors his partner's death like it's very quick like he comes in with the thirty thousand grand. obviously william defoe that he's full of shit like i think from the big get-go william defoe knows these are cops like you just got the feeling when he's like oh he says his name is this but it's not he says he's from palm springs but he doesn't have a tan like he fully knows that this something's is um, going on. Yeah, something's going on. So he already has the same guy that he shot the partner with, with the same shotgun. And William Peters is going to turn around, shoots the guy, but then he gets shot. So it's kind, and it happens so quick. There's no kind of warning that this is going to happen. It's very much like um, spoilers for The Departed, which you have already done a show on. So I guess it's okay. When I think <laughs> it's um, no, it's it's Leo dies in the bathroom, doesn't he? No, Leo dies in the elevator, which is again one of the most shocking. That's yes. it. But That's both a good the... comparison. Yeah, it's like yeah. the lead of the movie just gets shot in the head and it's like out of nowhere and it's a complete yeah. like it's like what? Like <laughs> it's like pulls the rug out from under you like uh, yeah. completely, which I think Freaking this loves is... you too. It's just pull the rug out from under you immediately <laughs> or like whenever, you know, like he... yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he does it. He even does that in things like Jade where it's much more of a sillier movie and um, but the fact that he will just constantly pull the rug out from under you and go, oh, actually, no, Linda Evangelista is going to have a horrible death um, just getting run over. And it's not just, oh, you see her kind of, oh, my God, there's a car, 
a car sound and then you see a dead body. It's you see a dummy rolling under the car. Like it's. Yeah. Um, that one, that one's pretty ridiculous, but it is the same yes. idea of like a really shocking out of nowhere death. I mean, like it's just most, very silly. That one. Yeah. Very just like, silly. What the fuck? I think <laughs> in a lot of other movies, if like they're going to kill off like the main lead or the hero, he would die in some like blaze of glory. There'd be slow motion, you know, it'd be like a real like arms out getting shot. But this is like just, gunshot boom dead it's not like there's no like music swell i don't think it's just kind of like they're gone it's it just you know it's which is much more true to real life but i mean most movies i think would really dramatize they're going to kill the main character like they're going to do it in some bigger fashion yeah that. and especially they might have do that a little bit in the 70s but this is 85 when you do get um you do get the kind of thing of like, oh no, this is going to be the hero's death. We're going to have a big, big moment. Like an episode that I've got coming up very soon, we were talking about the difference between the remake of Pelham 123, Tony Scott, and the actual 1974 one, where the ending is very perfect. It's just a sneeze, you open the door, I know it's you, but um, it's much quieter and subdued, whereas Tony Scott is going to turn that into a massive action sequence, and it's kind of expectations <laughs> of when the movie is made. Like, uh -huh. in 1985, you do not have William Peterson just get shot and die, like, 15 minutes before <laughs> the end. It's something, even if he is the villain, it's, he's got to go out in a blaze of glory. Um, and, but he doesn't. He refuse, It's like William Friedkin is such an obstinate arsehole that he has to go, no, 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 this is how it's going to be. <laughs> uh, I wonder who the guest will be for that Taking a Pell 123 episode. <laughs> I... Uh, not who you think. But oh, not I, who I think. Okay, okay. No, but I will have to to amend what I may have said about the remake of Pelham 123, do an actual episode and invite that said person on to do okay. the remake of Pelham <laughs> 123. Yeah, the, uh, I like the remake. I like both. I think the original probably is, is I better. I need to watch the remake again. Yeah, but the I remake need to watch is... the, yeah. I enjoy the remake, uh, but uh, but yeah, the ending of Take It One Two Three is so good and not what you'd I think expect. It's not like your typical ending, but it's per it's the perfect ending for that movie. Um, but um, but yeah, to live and die in L.A. The other thing I was gonna mention too is that I just love how this movie looks. Like I just, yes. it's a lot of like it might be it's like all things it feels like a michael mann movie that kind of looks like a tony scott movie <laughs> because it, it has a lot of like i yeah was thinking a lot of beverly hills cop 2 when i was watching yes, I... this they have yeah <laughs> same almost same color grading almost yeah it feels like the same kind of look yeah beverly hills cop 2 is exactly what i was thinking of like the way he shoots los angeles is you know very kind of hazy the sunrise the sunsets the way the skyline looks like it's got this kind of nice like golden look to it it's very like tony scott i think and uh i was just like oh this is probably why i live and die in la it's like a smorgasbord of things that i love in one movie <laughs> you know like great car chases uh, you know i mean to live and die in la could be like the the subtitle or tagline for heat you know that could be like it really <laughs> good like i think william freaking's big thing is he's probably watching all these 80s movies going i influenced all of these i influenced man for god's sake yes everyone keeps saying <laughs> miami vice but um but manander came out after this movie thank you very much like um it, i mean there's a there's a thief quality to it as well yes it does but, have a little bit of thief i think yeah but i think um man and freaking are kind of similar in kind of technical ways where this freaking will always take something to its most logical conclusion Man's going to take it to its most stylistic conclusion, if that makes mm -hmm. that does sense. Make sense especially, <laughs> yeah, especially with the shootout and heat. Like, that's kind of what it, the movie is building to and what everything's reacting from from there. But it's, 
yeah, it's just, and he's rubbish looking at the guys, you are all assholes. I did this first and you're just now just doing all of this. <laughs> but he's also copying people as well. I mean, I love how freaking, um, you can tell where his influences lie. I mean, um, everyone says he's very documentary-esque. I think he's more European. Like, I think he shoots like a lot of the new wave guys, um, which mm -hmm. is again, very documentary. And I know he has a background in documentary, so that's there and you can definitely see it in Sorcerer. But he will also just go full like style like when he wants to so he's not yeah he's 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 a much more complicated filmmaker than a pe than people give him credit for yes no i agree i i it's funny because i kept comparing michael mann and william freakin and i'm like it's like i know they're different obviously they have different styles but they still seem pretty similar i know it's just kind of the i don't know yeah i think man is kind of more involved or thinking of the style of the whole thing like yeah. the mood the mood maybe of the whole thing that's why i think yes freaking yeah. is more about like the just kind of more the starkness i think that see i do think it's like his documentary background a little bit about like this and french connection and even exorcist are kind of almost it's funny exorcist is so like you know crazy and over the top but i still think there's something about like the way he just kind of tells the story that's very i don't know it does have the touch of a, a documentary guy and even like sorcerers like so just like I don't know, it's just uh, it's, it's, there. I feel that in the in most of his movies, like he's it's giving you this information, and it's not there's not always like too many frills on it, but it it still looks great. It's still like it's got a style. It's just uh, it's yeah. definitely got a style. I mean, when you're watching Sorcerer and you're going through this very almost Battle of Algiers documentary esque style of yeah. <laughs> cinema verte kind of thing. And then it gets to the point where they're about to take the trucks into the jungle and then it suddenly almost goes um, something, it starts to look like something out of um, Razorback, uh, the Australian movie about the giant ball that's killing people. It gets very surreal and very dreamlike because that's where the Tangerine um, dream score really kicks in. And you're watching them like this kid out this truck and it looks mm -hmm. almost fantasy-like. And in Exorcist, it's a very grounded movie about a possession. And this is when you have a little girl doing something with a crucifix that I don't think you can get away with. I don't think he, <laughs> he got away with yeah. it in 1973 because no one thought that you would do that in a movie. Um, yeah. Talk about did. post, post Hayes code. Like... Post Hayes code. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it didn't occur to someone that, that you'd have watch a, little uh an adolescent girl um fuck herself with a crucifix and then it happened and everyone just went what? no no we're not doing that again like you did it and everyone like thingy but that's never happening again like you watch every single other exorcist movie with they never go near that ever again and he kind of knew how to put violence in that was both surreal and realistic i think it's the only way i could put it and that's that good. is very much to live and die in la like, that's a good way to put it uh no it is yeah. it's both it's like a it's a mixture and uh i think another thing else would be the stylishness of this movie is that wang chung score uh, soundtrack it which... looks like it should have tangerine dream but then it's wang chung and you're just like <laughs> Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> it's like a thing that should not work, but it does. No, <laughs> like because it's so it, it's a it's a good example of like being of the place and the time. I think it's mm -hmm. like something I don't think it dates it in a bad way. I think it like just puts it at like the time that we're at. It's mid eighties, like, and I it's, think it's a, and it's a very mid eighties movie. I mean, those tight jeans only existed in nineteen eighty five. I'm sorry, William Peterson. That's yes. just <laughs> I was even running those things. <laughs> I don't know, he runs a lot. I'm like. 
you can't move in those. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they're like running like normal, like normal fitting jeans. And he's running around the, these tight jeans. Um, but yeah, the wing was such as nipples. <laughs> <laughs> they're so quite high, and they quite. Oh my god! It, yeah, it's it's insane. <laughs> oh god. Oh yeah. That... <laughs> I'm still laughing at the, the jeans, the very high jeans. But uh, yeah, no, the, 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 it should have. It feels like source work. Or, um, Oh, God. Tangerine Dream could have done the score for this, too. But, uh, yeah, Wang Chung somehow, like, a thing you read on paper, like, all I know them from is Everybody Wang Chung Tonight. It's the only song I know yes. besides, and I know this score and soundtrack. Like, That's but this is good. Like, it's good. It fits. I was, like, really paying attention to it today. I think it really fits the movie and fits the time and fits, like, mid-80s L.A. Like, I think that just all works uh, in a way that it almost shouldn't, but it does. But um, it's, I just, everything in this movie works for me. I just, like, I think it's so good and uh, just, like, kind of that mixing of, like, cops and criminals. I'm a real sucker for that kind of thing, which is probably, again, why I love Heat so much. You know, it's, like, the same idea. I mean, cops and criminals in L.A., and it's, like, you know, that kind of thing, and, like, um, very similar kind of movies in terms of overall kind of what they're about, but very different in execution and everything like that but um yeah i because i think the shootout in heat feels like something freaking might have tried to do because it's so it feels kind of realistic the the gunshots are so loud and it's like yes. the way that it's uh, got a just on the ground in the middle of this gunfight it's it's pretty spectacular but like I don't know. I, I it could have been a good shock and awe to, to live and die in LA and heat. It would have been a massive, crazy episode, but it <laughs> would have been. Um, and it's two different, very, very similar directors, but yet very different directors. Like, um, I think both Franken and Man like to watch their characters do things well. Like, yes, every yes. single one of their characters are very competent at what they do. Um, actually, Jade might be the um exception to the rule on that one, but um no david cross is actually well actually i don't know i mean I, he's doing things that i don't think a district attorney would do but <laughs> anyway um but it's it's men doing their jobs very very well and that kind of runs through a lot of his movies or in friedkin's case people who think they do their jobs well but are actually kind of terrible because i love the thing about the french connection the trailers goes he's obsessive he doesn't play by the rules but he's a good cop and when you watch french connection you're like no, I don't think he actually is a good cop. A lot of it's <laughs> luck and just yeah. boneheaded obsessiveness and the fact that he's willing to shoot his partner in the head at the end and only stops himself because he just recognizes Roy Schreider like at the last second, I think says everything about him. And I don't, actually, I'm going back on this. Freakers characters aren't very good at their jobs. They just think they are. Um, or they have doubts about what they're doing and everything like that, where there's man's movies are very competent they are very very good and the only one time he does it is with the insider who um you can tell that he struggles with liking the russell crowe character in the insider because he he does it he goes you're a whistleblower you're not for good at your job why am i making a movie about you so let's have everyone else really good at their job yeah. um but that's what makes the insider fascinating because this guy is untrustworthy and um but knows everything that's going on within tobacco so it's um yeah no it's 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 fascinating it would be fascinating to compare the two sorry i went through a process there i was like no, no way freaking characters aren't good at their jobs I, Fact, no they're actively I, bad sometimes <laughs> i think he likes to see his characters uh be very challenged and very flawed yes like, yes freaking loves like they, they may be good jobs or may have been good but like to really challenge them and then also very flawed characters like even up through 
like Killer Joe, which has some of the most unlikable, oh like insane people he's ever had to in the any point movie. where you're rooting for McConaughey, I think, and he is doing some <laughs> terrible, terrible things. Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible things. Uh it's yeah, I don't know. Freaking was so interesting and his filmography is super interesting to look back on. Like he has a couple things, I think, post Jade that are like kind of uh like rules of engagement. I've never seen, but everyone seems to say it's like kind of feels like an anonymous almost like you couldn't even it tell it was really Friedkin. Does it's I mean it's an interesting premise about whether or not someone has committed a war crime and should mm -hmm. they even be defended for it. So it's a really interesting premise. I think it's Samuel L. Jackson whether he may have actually committed a war a, a war crime. Um my memory of it's a bit hazy, but it doesn't have that energy a freaking movie does where you're just watching it and you don't know you kind of feel very safe in that movie where freaking movies I don't think you should feel safe. You should yeah. feel um and even something in Jade which I don't think completely works. You never feel safe with that movie. I mean it's under <laughs> Florentino and I'm like going no this woman could kill you at any time i've seen last seduction even though i weirdly <laughs> think they underplay your sexuality in that movie which i think is wild um and overplay chaz's uh Polintero's sexuality I'm like that's not right um but <laughs> it is yeah you don't feel he's kind of a madman so you don't necessarily feel safe in his movies and i think in rules and engagement i never felt that oh i don't i think i know what's going to happen and then it does happen and so you don't feel as on edge which is not freaking though i haven't seen his latest movie and i've heard mixed things but uh it'd be interesting to see how he deals with a monologue heavy movie yeah oh the uh kane mutiny kane mutiny yeah yeah uh yeah i heard mixed things too i know it's like a it's a, literally like a one room you know drama he bore to skibby monologues it's, yeah. it's like but... he, he did do plays i mean the boys in the band is a fascinating movie oh um, yeah 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 and that's literally yeah Kane Mutiny, I thought it's like some behind the scenes stuff. And he was like, I think directing like literally from like a wheelchair. Like, I don't think he was in great health when he was doing that. So, yeah, uh, but he still wanted to direct. He was like, I'm going to do it. So um, also, I should take back what I said about because I thought there was more in between Jade and like mid 2000s. But it's really just rules of engagement. And he did do a 12 Angry Men TV movie, which I have not seen, but I'm interested in because it's got a good cast. Um, oh, yeah, that does have an amazing cast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of, the, actually, to, after To Live and Die in L.A., it's kind of weird because there's like some music videos. There's a movie called Rampage I've heard is good, but I have not seen. But it's finally getting a Blu-ray soon because it's been hard to see as well. He did yeah. The Guardian, a Tales from the Crypt episode, <laughs> um, Blue Chips, which does not seem like a William Freakin movie. Just a uh, basketball, college basketball movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and Nick Nolte, but I've never seen it. But I just to me, it does not scream William Freakin. Then you get back to Jade. But um it's a lot. I mean, it's it's a lot of good stuff. It's like I haven't seen the I haven't seen the any of his earlier stuff before French Connection. Um, but I've seen his boys in the band. That's the only pre. I think that's pre. Um, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Which is it's it's very much a play. Like you can tell that and I haven't seen any of his documentaries, but it's very much a play of it's just um, feels very before it's time because you are dealing with, I think, 10 gay men at a party when it was illegal to still be actually weirdly um homosexuality became decriminalized or was finally legalized the year cruising came out which feels wild to me like there's something wow, yeah. very yeah um but it's it, it, yeah it's um he's had a weird career he's had a lot of stops and starts because sorcerer i think probably didn't do great for his 
career because even though he continued working, that was meant to be the big 70s hit. And then cinema happened to change right under his feet. And then, yeah. (laughs) Um, and then to live and die, I don't think did as well. So he's just kind of, yeah, kind of scrambling after that. The nineties, he continuously works, but it's not, um, yeah, it's not like kind of anything big. And he's, but he was one of the main guys of the seventies. He could, he pretty much did dominate the early seventies for a while before yeah. the, before Jaws, before um, Star Wars, before these guys really started coming up. He was the guy. I mean, people were standing around the block waiting to see um, the Exorcist. Like that was oh, a yeah. cultural touchstone. It's... Yeah tough to follow that one i mean then i guess he gets sorcerer because it's like well here's your i guess that's your blank check movie because you made yeah, what do you want to do i want i, I want to do wages of fear which i know he gets very got very annoyed when you'd say it was a remake because he goes no i'm adapting the book <laughs> um and i have not seen wages yeah. of fear so i do not know <laughs> right i mean it's a, that the one-two punch of french connection exorcist is crazy because it's not only commercial success it's like it's academy awards you know it's award yeah. success it's like to have that much success with two movies back to back, then it's like, well, do whatever you want. And then Sorcerer comes out and does not do well. And then it's like, oh no. And now, oh, the Hollywood landscape has changed too because, you know, blockbusters are the thing now. It's Jaws and Star Wars. And um, yes. And he goes, I invented the blockbuster. Like, no, you didn't actually. But yes, we, we understand that. Yes, <laughs> yes we understand. Part of that. It's a different, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, these can be seen with the whole family, William. Don't you understand? <laughs> I guess you, I guess your whole family goes the Exodus. I don't know, whatever you're into. But, uh, People were traumatized, but yeah. Um, yes. So, okay, question, and I don't. This might be really hard off the cuff. I don't know. Um, what would you say are your top three William Friedkin movies? <laughs> oh God, because um, yeah, um, I would probably say Exorcist, Sorcerer. Even though I just finished that like a couple of hours ago, um, and maybe To Live and Die. I think those would be it and then i'm probably missing a movie where i'm like actually i do love that movie but at the moment it's those three which Bye. i know are very um very very freaking oh what are yours <laughs> actually it's funny it's the same three but a different order <laughs> so uh <laughs> i thought we had i thought we might be different but it's the same three movies but mine would go to live and die in la number one yeah uh sorcerer number two and exorcist number three um although you know what number four would probably be not french connection it might be killer joe <laughs> Actually, I was about to say, for Killer Joe is definitely should be in that conversation as well because Killer Joe blew me away. I remember watching that with my jaw on the floor because it is pure freaking, as in the fact that he's going so hard on it. And as I said, you are actively rooting for Matthew McConaughey um, because this family is so terrible. And when you time, you get, and you know, he did it because he read the chicken scene and just went, This is <laughs> happening. <laughs> I'm doing Pretty this. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the hunted is a two thousands freaking with it's really awesome. The hunted. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you gotta watch hunted. It's good. It's yeah. good. Um, there's a lot of possible shock and adult feature I think that could spawn too from you watching the hunted. It could be a lot of doubles with other stuff, but uh, nice. It's really good. It's really really good. Um, so yeah, I, I had to see some of the earlier stuff and then a couple of the random like blue chips and rules of engagement, but I've seen the big ones, I guess. But uh, yeah, I need to yeah. see bug. Yeah. Bug is good. Bug is, I yeah. mean, it's like, sounds super wild. fun. I'd rather watch, like, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I'd rather watch a few other things before bug again. Cause bugs kind of like a, not a super fun watch, but it's a very interesting watch and very intense. Um, but, uh, 
but yeah, it's good. I uh, yeah, I'm glad I'm finally kind of digging more into his filmography because I was a little like late to the party, I think. <laughs> but but no, me too. Yeah, because yeah, when I realized I was doing this, I'm like, I haven't seen Cruising and I haven't seen Sorcerer, and I need to go on and talk about Freakin', which feels like two very important kind of pieces in his career, and they are. I mean, um, Cruising, I need to grow grow on a little bit, but there's no denying I love the fact that. Um, I know this movie got protested, but when you watch it, you realize, oh, Al Pacino might be more into this than he's letting on. Like, he he <laughs> yeah. might he might like this. Which Cruising's pretty it, wild too. I kind of almost yeah. forgot about to even mention that one, but it's I it's I I think it's I'm with you. I'm like I like this, but I think I need to watch it again because I was almost like taken aback by the first. Oh my god! I mean, it's not like I haven't seen like uh, gay sex on screen before. Like I've especially last year, which I actually did some really amazing queer cinema. Um, but that movie, you were just like, oh my God, I need a drink. I was not prepared for it. And it would, don't know why I wasn't surprised. This is weird. William Friedkin, the man goes hard, but oh boy, he went hard on that. I mean, I still, yeah, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, no, it's, 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 yeah, he has a very interesting, varied filmography. So I, yeah, I need to just go through the rest of it. But he, Friedkin was really good. He was really good. Um, and, and he know, knew I, it and good on him because yeah. he, he knew how good he knew Listen, how good he was some people may be too humble he was like no i was fucking great and he's like <laughs> yes. you cannot make sequels or remakes of the exorcist he was very big on that i feel like he would shit oh, talk all anything. the exorcist stuff i can't remember what podcast but it literally turned into a bitching session on the exorcist 2 like and the french connection 2 like that's what he was bitching about and oh uh-huh um so it was a frankenheimer who by the way really good director john Borum bit hit and miss but generally a pretty good director and he was just basically taking pot shots in the, the whole entire time it's like they dared to make sequels to my movies and i'm just like <laughs> i love you william freak because <laughs> you're kind of right about that one <laughs> yeah yeah um man yeah so oh well this has been a lot of fun anything else you want to yes. say on to live and die in la or it's really good um definitely it's worth a blind buy because i know it's very hard to see but if you're sort of wondering if you should like pull the trigger and 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 buy it the, either the arrow or the keynote buy it because it's it's so worth it it's so good yeah it's so good that i was considering because i have the old out of print shout factory blu-ray i was considering just buying the 4k from kino which i don't normally do a lot of like upgrades and things i already have actually blu-ray to 4k like listen i can't really tell the difference i'll be honest people <laughs> like unless it's like a really like old like early blu-ray that was kind of crappy to begin with like most modern yeah. blu-rays that have come out in the past few years like i think look really good so i you know it's like unless i hear the 4k is like fantastic which i think i did hear about the live and die in la 4k i don't know i gotta look into it i probably won't upgrade but it's a i'm glad that it's out there and it's kino so it's like reasonably priced but um yeah i think it's definitely worth a blind buy because basically it's hard to see it's really hard it's very hard to see yeah. it's still crazy that it's like has all these releases and it's still difficult to stream anywhere because it feels like a fundamental 80s cop movie so the fact that it's so hard to see is it's kind of mind-blowing but it is very much the anti-80s cop movie the fact that he made right. this in 1985 <laughs> is yeah it does still yeah. feel very underrated i was in his filmography and in, in general but i think that goes back to again just people not being able to see it very easily um if it was more available i think it'd it, it seems like everyone yeah. that does see it, though, is like, oh, holy shit, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's just the fact of getting people to see it that's a little difficult. But, uh, yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's really great. But we talked about everything. Yeah, I'm going through my notes one more time. But, um, I mean, yeah, looks great. 
love the score yeah. great performances very exciting it, movie like uh what more could i ask for <laughs> so i'm glad we got to talk about it because it is it's an awesome movie um so this was this was so much fun um it was fantastic yeah it's fantastic yeah. <laughs> well thank you again Lindsay. um uh oh, anything, thank you yeah you, know, you want to talk about coming up and talking all you want to talk about or just no just in general, general? no just chucking chucking all i tend to um try and put something out every week because apparently i'm that person um no it just <laughs> yeah you can find it on all the pods so um shocking all one or reading geek on, on the social media so yeah no i still love doing the podcast it's really fun yeah, I always give you credit. I'm like, Lindsay is like the podcasting machine of the group. Like, I need my little breaks every once in a while. And and other people, you know, a few of a few of our friends have kind of stopped podcasting their own show weekly. And like I was like, Lindsay, just you can't stop her. She just goes like she's like It's just routine now. If I don't do it, I feel Yeah, no, I did have a break over Christmas, which I really needed. But uh -huh. um yeah, now I'm like, okay, I need to get back into it. Yeah. Like, well it's funny because you yeah. plan so well, I think. We don't even know yeah. when you have a break because like you've probably like banked like two or three episodes. I do bank, yeah. And I'm like, you don't even it's like you just it's great. So I I admire honestly your like you just keep podcasting. And they're always like fun, great podcasting, like your energy's always good. Um so if you're ever like tired or burned out, I cannot tell. <laughs> so um... I always regret banking. If I bank too much, I'm like Okay, now I'm taking a month off because I can't do this anymore. Right, right. I need, to, I need, I need to watch something that uh, I need to watch a crappy TV show that isn't a, a movie. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I do bank. That's why. Yeah, I had scheduled like three or four podcasts in a week the next week, and I said, "Whoa, what am I doing? I had to move stuff around." Oh, I've done that before, and I'm like, "That's I've done that once, and I'm never again." Bad idea. Because by the time <laughs> you get to like the third idea. or fourth one, I feel like you're like, I don't know what to say about anything. My brain is melted out of my head. Um, so. pretty much. <laughs> pace myself but I, it's very fun to do so i yes i love talking all I'm glad it just keeps going strong so um and i'm sure people are probably already following you but if they're not they should be um so uh yeah and then i guess uh for our stuff uh yeah, the usual wherever where you can find podcast um i think i mentioned this last time but if you feel the kindness in your heart to go rate us <laughs> five stars on any of your podcast apps of choice absolutely five stars yeah that, thank you thank you five star <laughs> i'm not even sure five how it works on other ones i know spotify and Apple podcasts have their ratings i i guess they do on other ones but i don't mm -hmm. see those as much but um i just haven't brought that up in a while so it's like oh yeah please throw us a five-star rating so i appreciate it and um you can follow the podcast on twitter at film feast pod you can follow me at maplet 87 uh me and the podcast on instagram film feast all one word um and that's it next time I won't even say what we're doing next time. I think should be me and Carmelita talking about a big one, a big Ooh, movie. It's my favorite we'll combination you and Carmelita. Is. Yeah, it's more fun to just kind of tease it out. It is. I was gonna say, like it's, but it's a it's a biggie. Uh, so that should be exciting. So, um, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs>